streaming for me is like, I don't know. I love streaming. It's it's really fun. It's fun to connect with people, but I also love that visual, uh, the visual experience. Yeah. Um, I love create. You know, I love creating helmets. I love creating car designs. Mm. I love creating rooms. Like I'm very artistic in that sense. So, for me, I'm like, man, how can I have the best room possible? Right. Right. I just want the best looking room, something unique, because the only way to stand out in life nowadays is to be creative, be different. If you just do the same as everyone else, you're just going to blend in with the crowd. Yep. You know, you don't want to be, you know, dumb about it. No, no, no. But you want to inspire and, you know. But polish, like you have a very polished, like everything you do, like you can tell that you have like a, a very high standard for yourself. Yeah. As far as visually. Well, yeah, just with the way I, I want to live my life, mm -hmm. I just want to be the best version of myself. And that's... No, because I'm very competitive. Yeah. At the end of the day, I don't like losing in anything mm, I do. Yeah. I don't like putting people down. At the same time. Yeah. I'm not that kind of winner. Yeah. You know, like I don't like to win by um, putting someone beneath me. Yeah. I just want to be, you know, one step up. Um. So, yeah. I mean, uh, it's it's fun. It's a cool challenge for me, like the whole creativity side. But I just want. I have a vision in my head. Yep. Whether it's like digitally. Okay. How I want to manipulate the visual effects, but also the the whole appearance of of uh, uh, the of, studio. Yeah, man, I look for inspiration everywhere. Like this this room is unreal. This the sound is so good. I love the the. Um, I mean, it probably can't be seen, but the little most sport. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wooden yeah, I gotta track. hang that. I'm thinking about yeah. how to hang that behind me. I need something behind me. I don't want to just do. do like trophies or something, but. No, you gotta you gotta like spice it up with. Uh, you have like so much. Man, you have a huge opportunity. You have yeah. so much around you. Yeah, you can like add in your, you know, your character. I could do something different for every episode too. You could have like a fancy book. Put or a something little in. Easter egg somewhere yeah. and see if people <laughs> notice it. That Stuff would be like sick. that's good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so you're uh, this. You're saying you like streaming. Is that opposed to like post production stuff? Like you like it being live is that yeah i think you know with obviously there's two different styles of of videos and for a lot of people like okay stream what does that even mean mm -hmm. what are you streaming like is it on youtube well there's a few platforms like twitch is a, a live streaming platform youtube facebook like you can stream live stream videos whether it's in real life or which is referred to as irl yep the, for right, the longest right, time right. i'm people were saying irl online like internet talk i'm like what the heck's like man, all these people are IndyCar fans. Like, yeah, that's what I thought too. <laughs> IRL, like I know, and I'm not, I'm not like in that like Reddit like internet culture. Yeah. Like I'm like slowly learning now. Yeah. But now I've, I actually checked out your Twitch stream before. I'm like IRL. You're a race car driver. IRL in real life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Just learning the whole internet slang thing was like I still don't. I'm not on board with it. Okay. Um. There's there's a bunch of things that I still don't understand. Um, and, and I, I even make it an effort. I'm like, guys, if you're a, part of this whole community, yep. we don't say things like giga. What is it? I don't even know yeah, what that means. exactly. Okay. Uh, apparently that's like awesome. Oh. It's e equivalent to awesome. 10-4. Yeah. Um, and like doc, a doc is a setup. It's a document like, or I, I don't like know. Like your setup, like your. Like, like D-O-K is people would call a setup on like you know, online racing. Okay. They call it a, a, a doc. A doc. Oh. Like, hey, do you have a doc? Oh. I'm like, I talked to Wiccans about this because we we, we race with each other online yeah. uh, a lot in iRacing. 
And he's like, I'm not on board with it. I'm like, neither am I. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I don't know what these kids are talking about, but it ain't me. Mm. You're not that guy. Does he uh, Does he race a lot? Right yeah, yeah. We, we actually, um, well, obviously, we, we both have pretty, like, hectic schedules. Yeah. Um, and... You know, whenever we we can, we try to like organize it. Um, I would say I'm the supplier of docs to him. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, no. Recently, um, like I, I I've you know networked a lot online. Yep. And uh, I made a lot of friends and and you know quick really quick drivers and guys that are better than, than me at setups. Okay. Especially online. Oh, I see what you're saying now. I was missing you. Yeah. So yeah. You're set the iRacing setup, like yeah, the yeah. package for the car. Yes, you're exactly. Set, okay. So you share that with Robert. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, yeah. we race with each other. Like we yeah. do endurance races. So um, we'll, we'll do like, you know, two and a half hour races with each other. Yeah. And it's like a driver change in the middle. Um, yeah, yeah. Stuff like that. So it, it's been fun. It's cool. The whole, um, man, we're like just jumping everywhere. We're right into it. No, but... I, I definitely want to pin you down on sim racing for yeah, sure. Yeah. But well, man, let me, let me just give you a little okay. bit of an interview style here. I want you to, I want you to tell me what got you into racing. Like, how did it start? Like I'm, most people have a similar story, yeah. you know, and it's funny. I interviewed fellows and I threw the question like this. I'm like, you know, most people start, their dad takes them to the track, da, 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 da. And he's like, well, not my dad. You know, my dad had nothing to do with cars. I'm yeah. like, oh, okay. Different story. Was it, what was it like with you? With you? Was it your yes. dad? Same. I mean, I listened to, to Ron's episode. Okay. Um, and I, I mean, I started when I was eight, okay. but uh, my dad had no involvement in racing whatsoever. My, my uncle played hockey, my mom's brother. Okay. Um, and I played hockey when I was like six years old. I yeah. went to these like power camps and like um, every good Southern Ontario yeah, boy 100%. does. Yeah, yeah, I really wanted to play hockey. I loved it. Like okay. I really, I thought it was the coolest thing. And I still love hockey. Yeah, as Canadian as you should. <laughs> um, and I still, I still play. I still skate. Uh, but my my mom once she discovered she's like, okay, he's actually not too bad. And then I started getting scouted when I was six, seven. Okay. Like at seven years old, I was a big seven-year-old. I haven't grown since. <laughs> <laughs> I've been like five eight since I was seven. <laughs> so of course, I was super like uh, uh, all these all these scouts are coming along like you know in this these skill camps. Yeah. Like okay, this kid's pretty good. Sure. And they wanted me to like play you know competitive what? hockey. Yep. I don't know what it was called, like you know triple A at the time. Yep. And my mom's like, yep, yeah, no, we're done. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't want to go through that life again because it is, it's a tough life. The commitment's insane. Oh, the, and like the, the driving practice. And, and practice. Like yeah, it's, it, it's every day of the week. It's a different commitment than racing, which we soon discovered. Mm -hmm. You know, it, I always love sport. Um, I've always been like a sports guy. Sure. Um, you know, I, um, I knew I wanted to do that. And I, I, as I got older, I knew very much I wanted to be in sports. So how did, how did you, what was your first exposure at the track? Yeah, so so my dad, after my 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 parents were like, yeah, okay, hockey's not gonna happen. Like, let's just stop that. Yeah. Before it gets too, uh, we get too deep into it. Um. Then my dad went karting, indoor karting. Okay. I don't even know where. I think it was like a pro kart or. Okay. Uh, it was like something in in I think it was in Mississauga, but it's it's done now. Like, yeah. Um. He went there and and he went with a few friends and thought you know what, this is actually kind of fun. Mm. This is really cool. It was like indoor karting and they had a cart there for sale. It was oh, like 900 okay. bucks, like full. Yep. Uh, it was a renegade okay. cart with a yep. four-stroke engine. Yep. I think it was, it was well, unrestricted, first of all. Right. And I'm like this, it was for my eighth birthday. My dad's like, okay, cool. This is a good Bought gift. It. So I came home from school on my eighth birthday and he has this go-kart in the garage. Which is unbelievable, right? And I drove it on the street 
for like two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> and we're like, where is this? In, in, in Markham. In Markham. Yeah, I grew okay. up in Markham. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so my dad, he's like, yeah, let's just go for it. And I loved it, man. I was flat out right away, like full send up yeah. and down the street until cars came in. My dad's like, oh, actually, that's probably not a good idea because car versus cart, the car is going to win. No kidding. <laughs> so at that point, when he's like, okay, shit, like, he actually, we enjoy this together. It yep. was kind of a full family experience. Um, we went to, you know, search what's the closest go-kart track. And from Markham, Goodwood Cartways was the closest. So yep. we took the cart in the back of like a SUV yep. up to Goodwood. And I drove around. And I actually have the videos of, uh, I, I've, I saw them uh, recently of like my first, you know, experience in the track. And I was quick. I was really fast straight away. Okay. I didn't know what the line was. I mean, sure. forget racing line. What yeah. is that? Um, but I didn't have any like fear, really. I just went for it. Mm-hmm. And that's good because when you don't have the fear right away, it's easy to like kind of hone that speed. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, it's, it's another thing to tune the fear out of a driver. Oh, I, yeah. I, I think difficult. that, yeah, that's, that's the wrong way to go about it. The only sure. thing I was afraid of was uh, overtaking. I wasn't okay. sure because I, I always wanted to like, be correct with what i was doing mm-hmm. like i wanted to follow the rules i didn't want to like break any rules i'm like okay just i see what you're saying yeah, yeah. so yeah. i didn't know what the etiquette was you didn't want to get in trouble exactly yeah yeah i i, I was a i was raised well okay? yeah 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 <laughs> like i followed the rules no and... i've got i've definitely got a little bit of that in me as well yeah yeah, yeah. so it just took a while to, once i learned how to overtake then it was game over and i had coaching a little bit like i had 30 minutes of coaching and the guy's like yeah okay you know pretty sure that you know just just keep driving yep so we did so that you, so you started right away you went into club racing and you ran a full yeah, season yeah uh, i started midway through uh, two, uh 1998 okay i was eight years old that was my first season so i got the cart in april yep and we my first race was i think in like june or july okay and um yeah my my first race was a good i think it was the canada cup oh like a real yeah oh race. dude it was like I don't know, 60 carts. Oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah. It was 60 carts. I didn't make the final. Okay. I was in the B final. Yep. Uh, I don't know where I finished though. Um, but I hated, like, that first race, it bothered me so much because I hated losing. Yeah. Like, really, really badly. Same. And that was, like, my first, like, whooping. Yep. But it was tough. It was, I mean, the well, kids were 11 years old. And they, I was eight. Yeah, and they'd done it for whatever, four years at yeah, some of them. It was like James yeah. Hinchcliffe was in it yep. and Wickens and like all these guys, they were all older than me. Right. So I go in, it's like I barely practiced. You know, we just started at a couple months of, of, you know, casually driving at the track. And so my second race was in Peterborough. Okay. And I got my first trophy. Ah, uh, but, a little less competition there. Uh, yes and no. Okay. It rained. Okay. And my dad said, as long as you don't spin out, you're going to do well. Mm. He's like, just slow and steady. So I was like, okay, slow and steady. Someone's putting around. Everyone's spinning out, getting stuck in the grass. Yep. And I just, by default, <laughs> I finished on the podium. <laughs> that <laughs> was like, good. oh, this is kind of cool. So that was your second race. Yeah, yeah. So you're like, shit, I'm good. And then I loved, I'm like, yeah. okay, I like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like, I, like, uh, I like the feeling of winning. And my whole, like... Everything I do in my career, I don't like losing. I don't think anyone likes losing. If you if you say you like losing, you're lying. No, for sure. And I was gonna ask you because I, I from like a you know a, a, a zoomed out view, I imagine you're a super competitive guy. And when I was young, go karting, like dude, when I was seven, eight, like if I didn't win, I'd cry. 
like for sure i yeah. hated losing oh i was quiet mm. i was very quiet very different i would never do this by the way <laughs> when i was younger yeah yeah it actually took me until i was probably 21 before i really started opening up and mm. um getting comfortable enough to speak which sure. is funny because all the experiences that i had it's insane uh, you know going to europe and stuff but that's just jumping ahead uh when i was young i just I'd drive the cart. Yep. I'd walked up back to my trailer and like just sit there and watch the cart being prepped. Yep. And I always wanted to work on the cart, but my dad was funny because I, I would like start to clean and he's like, What this is how you clean. Then he gets like 18 brake clean cans. He's like Shh, spraying everything. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, uh I'm like, all right, well, you're doing a good job, so I'm just gonna continue to watch. Yeah, that's and, funny. Uh, so you're a pro driver right away. Oh, instant. instant. I was groomed from eight years old. <laughs> just sit and watch. Although right now, today, I, I do help the guys with the car. Like I'll, I love wrapping and stickers, mm. and that's the whole creative side. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. But I do, I love doing that kind of stuff or cleaning, um, you know, just keeping my area clean, cleaning yep. up after people. And so I'm OCD a little bit. I hear you, man. I hear you. A little you. bit. So you, uh, so jumping ahead your so your first season or your first full season's like 99 when do you start and you had success right away away and then is there a decision like hey okay we're gonna go race whatever the full ron fellow series or whatever it is at that time yeah. like right away like we're gonna go yeah run we went carts. flat out like okay. right into it so at the time it was called okra yeah and you remember all that mm -hmm. i guess um a little bit before me i never ran okra yeah because that ended in 2001 i believe right or ron fellow started in 2001 uh ron fellows right around there yeah, yeah. so we I, I ended up running in the u.s okay i ran like the north american uh, I don't even know what it was called, like the North American Championships mm. or something. It was at Charlotte. Um, but we went kind of like right into it. Right and away. Wow. Oh, yeah. Uh, we had like, d you know, really good people around us. Mark Wilkins. Okay. Uh, I remember like we, we drove over to Norway uh, in Illinois with Mark. Okay. And um, I remember I was like, so I was like, oh, my God, this guy's older. He's like you know, going to be a pro driver and whatever. And, and I was like inspired by all these people around, um, you know, the DeLeos were there. Yep. And it was all at that time. They're all a lot, quite a bit older than me. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, we had that experience straight away. And at I a mean, high level. Yeah, yeah. And I caught the bug and that's what really helped me. My first, my very first uh, U.S. race, mm -hmm. I think it was Norway, Illinois. We went for, we drove over there and that was on a Saturday we raced. And on Sunday, there was a club race. So we, I remember driving back. My dad drove overnight. We went straight to Goodwood. Yep. And that's when I won my first race. Okay. Yeah, my yeah. very first race. Wow. And uh, it was a huge field, too. I think it was... Um I think it was a, the the Canada Cup race again, which was like a full year later. Right. And it was a huge grid. Yep. And and I won. So is that ninety nine? Is that when when you or was there a point in time when you said to yourself, "Okay, I'm good." Or yeah, was I it think even, yeah. I think after that, like, like I, I'm I, quick. I quietly inside, like I was very quiet. Sure. Yeah. I yeah. can't stress that enough. Yep. Um, but I, I didn't talk to anybody. But I hear stories now from guys like Dave Tennyson. Mm -hmm. Um, and he was coaching other kids at the time, like same age group, same class. And he's like, yeah, all the kids were just talking. They're like, oh damn, more ads here. And apparently I didn't know it had that effect on people. I was just sure. a quiet kid. I'm like, la la la, yeah. I like winning. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just did my thing. Yeah. But I, apparently I walked down the, the paddock and everyone would be like, 
knowing they would lose. Mm. That's what the stories I was told. Okay, Those are the yeah. stories I was told. Yeah. And I never felt that. I just did my thing. Yeah. And yeah. Did, so then, like you had a, I guess that's pretty, pretty quick pro, pro, um, progression uh, into like, you're, you're right out of the box. You're running at high level karting races. And like, so you're running Canadian nationals right away, yeah. OKRA right away. And are, are you winning those races like at 10 years old? Yeah. So my, I won the, my first bear, which is like the Canadian nationals yep. at 10 okay. like, against yeah. guys that were 16. Wow. Yeah. So, so what was that? It was like, like junior Marco Light? Junior? It was the Yamaha, um, like oh. the two stroke. That was my first year of two stroke. Okay. So we raced in Shannonville yep. and, uh, again in the rain. Okay. Um, I ended up winning. Okay. And it's the funniest thing because there's all these like 60, I raced 16 year old kids because um, I was 10. Yeah. And you could race junior all the way till 16 at that time. Wow. So yeah. the, the age, like at that age, that's a huge disparity. I, it's, it's incredible. Yeah. It was incredible. And that was like one of the biggest wins at the time for me because I was like, holy geez, I just beat 16 year old kids. Yep. And on, there's a podium shot of me like, well, I guess I've been five foot eight since I was eight. <laughs> no, you were no, a little kid. I was a little yeah. little chubster. Yeah. And then there's all these, you know, they're twice my size. Mm -hmm. And it's just the funniest thing. That's cool. So that that gave me motivation, like, you know, to keep going. And yep. and that was probably my biggest win because all these guys I looked up to, it was Marco DeLeo in the race and stuff. Like yeah. He was the guy at the time. For sure. And I beat him. I'm like, how did I even do it? I didn't even believe it myself, right. I guess. If I was logically thinking, but yeah. subconsciously I was just doing it. Right, right. So then, well, I want to ask you this question because I have some of my, like, I remember those summers when you're a kid and it's like, it consumed me, like the the championship, like how would it shake out in September? Like, that's all I thought about all summer. And like, especially battling with like one or two guys all summer. Did you have any of those championships in karting where it was just you and one other guy was like, he'd win, then you'd win, then he'd win. My, my entire upbringing, which is probably what shaped me to be the driver I am today. Um, early on, it was um, uh, in the four-stroke stuff, like when I was really young. Mm -hmm. You know, obviously, there was a huge um, age age disparity between drivers. Um, I was, you know, 9, 10-ish, and guys were 13, yeah, 14. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was tough. You know, Justin Maskell, I remember. Uh, Richard Boak was also quick. Uh, Travis Walker. Like, these are all guys that, you know, they're not doing much. You know, Richard's the only one that's kind of still, still racing, involved yeah. in, in, yep. in motorsport. But um, those were the guys I'm like, oh, man, they're so quick. And I was a little bit – I was intimidated by them because mm -hmm. I was, like, a really small kid. And, and they were a few years older than me. And that development – uh, time like in that age is very very tough because mm -hmm. everyone's bigger and they go through puberty and, and yeah. growth spurts so uh physically like i was like oh my god these guys are huge and i was not scared but yeah, i knew it was a challenge yeah, yeah, yeah it was a challenge um but then the big rival rivalry i mean i ended up winning championships every year i won the okra ron fellows like in four stroke i won every singles championship throughout my my childhood i'm pretty sure okay nearly all, all of them yeah so it, it didn't go bad yeah went really well and then i had the rivalry with robert wickens right and that was the best one because you know we w whether it was four stroke or um you know shifter yeah you know and he always had a year on me so he always moved up 
a class right and then i moved up the year after so okay. he had one year experience uh, so it was really challenging for me and it pushed me mm-hmm. to you know stay on that level and you know he he kicked my butt the first uh, in four stroke i was quick i won the championship um the first ron fellows year and the second and third and then i stopped four stroke yeah um i think i won all all of them in a row okay and then we're like, okay, cool. Four strokes done. Let's yep. go straight shifter and and do that. And is this eighty or eighty cc okay, shifter? Yeah. yeah. So they were quick. I still have one. Yeah. Yeah. No way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Man, I think I was eleven when I first started. Which 80, is insane. 80cc. It's insane. Yeah. To think Six about it. Six speed gear shift. How fast that is for an eleven year old kid. My neck. I remember my very first run in it. I was like, rah, rah. my neck was snapping off. I yeah. think it touched the axle. <laughs> I had no neck. <laughs> oh, that's good. Uh, so, so Wickens was your big rival yeah. in, in 80. Yeah. So he, he was really like, you know, I think, um, he dominated the, the 80 CC my first year. I, yeah. I think I won a couple races, um, but he won the championship and then, um, he moved up. Okay. And then I won the championship. Like I won every, I think I won every, every race, but at that point there was no big competition. It was like Mike Vinsek. Yep. Not to say that it was no, bad no, competition because these guys were not solid. Slow, yeah. But because I had that, you know, Wiccans there, yep. it was a high level, mm-hmm. right? And we pushed each other. Yep. And I was competitive. At the end of the year, I was there. Okay. So then the next year, I won pretty much everything. The year after that, moved up. You know, he was in senior. Yeah. And I moved up to senior and I won. Which is 125. Exactly. Or KZ, whatever you want to call uh, it. 125. 125 shifters. shifter. So quite a bit faster. Yeah. You don't realize a lot faster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, my neck, my neck hit the axle the yeah. first time I drove. Them. So you were 15 when you moved up to senior. 14. 14. They let uh, yeah. you move up. Yeah. Well, Paul Cook at the time was uh, vice president of ASN yeah. Canada, and because I had such a dominant year in in ADCCs, I'm like, I can't, I can't do this again. Yep. Because you know we want to just keep evolving the career. Sure. So at 14, I moved up to senior. Okay. And now it's unlimited age. Like you can be. How right rolled. now it's the best in the world are in that yeah. setup so yeah that was crazy because then you know wickens and i again resumed our rivalry mm-hmm. and um how did that first year go uh it, it went well we won every single race like either myself or him okay and that's to your point like do you have one of those seasons where you guys won every race yeah and, yeah it was th- six races and i won three and he won three yeah, I've had an, uh, the exact same deal yeah, yeah we like tied on points um oh so it was just first and seconds uh, no, it, it uh, the way it worked, it like came down to like four times, like you had to go back four steps to find a tiebreaker. Four steps, holy something cow. crazy. Yeah. Yeah, and it came down to the last race where it was a, a, a really marginal call. Okay. Um, like I won the first two races of the year yeah. at Goodwood and Sutton. Okay. And and at that point, it kind of changed the tone for our, our rivalry. Sure. We, we've been friends, our, and we still are. Yeah. And we went through a rough patch there because it was so competitive. Like, you couldn't be friends. No, I get it. Like, you, yeah. we had respect for each other. Yep. That's one thing. We never crash each other, mm-hmm. ever. We never put a wheel on each other. Um, so we're very fair. And he's a very fair driver. But we we didn't talk. No, yeah. no. Like, I it get was, it. It yeah. was, like, pretty cutthroat. So who won the championship? So he won. Okay. Um, but I you had, guys won equal races. Yeah. So three and three. Yeah. 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 I had a. Uh, so it came down to like I don't even know what the tiebreaker was. It but must have been like a qualifying or like time or something like three races back or something yeah, like that. I, I don't even know. It's like, <laughs> I it, it's so long ago. That was two thousand and that was two thousand five. Okay. That it would have been. Yep. We'd have to go back and check, but like it doesn't even matter at this yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. I thought it that in that moment I'm like. This is so important. 
this is everything in my life. 100%. And then you realize as you get older, like that is the most insignificant moment. It's the the competition that you have is the only important thing mm. in your life. Yep. You know, pushing each other to mm-hmm. that level and to that performance level yep. has helped me because everything else, you know, I take it for granted. I, I show up in these different situations, especially when I moved away to Europe. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I obviously, I had this like, you know, a little bit of doubt in there, mm-hmm. as you would normally. Yeah. But it just almost came easier because I had such a competitive upbringing. Yes. And I had someone there that was like really, you know, pushing the bar. Yeah. And we pushed the bar up together. So you were never a sore loser, though. You were just you just got quiet when you lost. Even when I won, I was quiet. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was quiet. Period. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was just. Um, yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't talk to anybody. Um, I, I think I had fr- like I did have friends in the paddock for sure. sure. Like I loved you know getting my WD forty out and spraying ants. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, I was just a dumb kid. Yeah, running around and yeah. um and I think we all were like. Yeah, it was a different deal in the summers. Now at the it's track. data, data. I'm like, shit. I, I only I didn't know what data was. I still don't do. I data. had the tack on the back of my seat. I check max Dude. RPM that session. Yeah, when someone asks like, "How's the car?" or "What's the what's the gearing like?" I'm like, I don't know. Just feel my butt. <sighs> yeah, a little bit too high in RPMs. Yeah, a little I bit know. too low. Exactly. It's like you know, I think nowadays it's such a different. I heard like Daryl talk about um, the data, the data, and and. I think a certain degree of data is good, but you you have to you know, just chill out. You yeah. got to feel it. Yeah. Yeah. To, for data to really affect anything, you have to truly understand what you're looking at. Yeah. Yeah. And how that correlates to the driving experience. Because like, if you look at data, that's only reacting to something. Yeah. You want to be proactive. Sure. And if you can feel on the spot, like in a session, you're not going to say, okay, hold on, stop the race. I have to go check the data. Right. Um, you got to like feel it if, if there's rain or, or mm. if the grip level changes, you got to adapt. No, I like that. Yeah. And that's one thing that I can say my dad helped me with because thank goodness, like he was so naive. He didn't know what, what to do. Mm-hmm. He's like, well, the cart's clean. Should be good. Yeah. Like, yep. What's Just set- drive it. What is set up? Yeah. Um, so I had to figure it out. Yeah. And he's like, if you don't do this time, we're not changing the cart. Oh, ah, okay. Yeah, just okay. just drive it. He's like, you should be close. Yeah. Like, what's there to change? Yeah. No, that's good. So, so that 2005 season, obviously like a super high level uh, competitive season. Did you, that was your last season in carts? Last full season. Last full season. Okay. Did you go down or did you go to Europe in carts ever? Or did you go to Florida and race like winter yeah, tour yeah. stuff? Florida. So that, that year I ended up winning uh, the Florida winter tour. The whole shifter. championship, yeah, yeah. So that's a, against European. Drivers that's a big as well. deal. Yeah. And so it goes to show you how competitive Rob and I were. Yeah. When we raced, because right. I had beaten factory CRG drivers, like Europeans that would come over for Florida Winter Tour. Yeah. And um, again, all these like big. I'm 14, 15 years old. These big drivers. I'm like, okay, uh, who cares? What, what am I yeah. even doing here? Like, yeah. but I'm just driving, and it was pure. Like I was winning. Yep. And, um, oh, it that's, was, that's awesome. So at that time you're 14 or 15, do you have aspirations to be a pro race car driver? I think where it first hit me, like I always wanted to be. And I think my last years of karting, um, my head was kind of not in karting. I was already thinking, okay, I see Wiccans racing formula BMW at the mm. time at two, in 2005. Yep. So alongside racing shifters, he was racing formula BMW and I'm like, you know, he was my biggest 
rival growing up and mm-hmm. i'm like well he's doing that i want to do that too right uh, just just the way it naturally progressed from uh when we were younger yeah so he was always one step ahead he moved up always one year before and i'm like okay i want to go there that's now. a good and, guy to follow yeah for yeah. sure he kind of like led the like he led the way in, yeah. a, in a sense um and I, I guess he probably wouldn't even know that but i mean he he said and i know this I was the only person that mattered to him, mm-hmm. even in Formula BMW. His, That's funny. His engineer and his like team owner at the time said, out of 31 drivers on the track, the only person he ever asked for was, where's Morad? Yeah, yeah, And yeah. me, I'm like, where's Wickens? Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing, that whole, yeah. whole kind of, you know, March growing up. So your you're last year of karting, you already have your eyes set on Formula BMW. Yeah. That's the place to be. Yeah. How does that for for anyone who not in the know? How does that jump happen? Yeah, it's difficult because financially, uh, obviously, we racing is built around money. Yeah. I mean, it no just money, costs no a play. shit ton to do. It's different than any other sport because in soccer or basketball, hockey, like hockey is a bit more expensive. Sure. But soccer is, you know, super easy. You get yep. a ball, you get some shin pads and some shoes. Mm-hmm. How expensive is that? Right. Okay, maybe you're spending uh, two hundred bucks. Yep. On on everything, a set of tires is three hundred bucks. 400 bucks you know yeah in carding in carding yeah in carding yeah so that's not including logistics getting the stuff to the track and nowadays it's it's so difficult when i grew up it was easier more manageable because you didn't have like the huge rigs you didn't have big budgets now you have drivers who have 15 engines and they dyno all of them we had one engine yeah and it's like all right just send it yeah no setup no mechanic really like it was just pure grassroots now for sure it's unattainable. It's very difficult to get into motorsports because of um, how everything is like elevated and escalated itself into yeah. like this pro level racing. For, like some of the operations in karting are bigger than some entry level car racing operations. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. And I think we went through a period not too long ago where it was um, like billionaire money in, involved. Right. And especially it, in Canada. Yeah. In we've Canada. got two of them in Formula One now. Yeah. And and that spooked a lot of people because the equipment you couldn't compete with it. Yeah. Um, you couldn't. No, it was it, the equipment was too much to overcome, mm-hmm. and that, in a way, it was kind of sad because you could see like there were a lot of talented guys, but they just could never shine because mm-hmm. you can't beat that kind of power or you know the mechanics or you know the exactly setup. when the card is perfect. Yeah. yeah, when it's perfect every time. Yeah. So, yeah, but going from karting uh, at the time, it it was pretty man well managed by like my my family. They weren't. Um, you know, ter- like they were, they were mid tier, like very middle of the line kind yep. of family. Um, what did your dad do for work? Yeah, so my dad was a computer programmer. Okay, and my mom uh, at the time didn't. She wasn't really working, but then got into like mortgages. Okay, uh, she was a mortgage broker. Okay, and now she has her own brokerage and she's cool. a real estate agent. Yeah, and um, it's funny because my dad has like completely shifted. He's, he has a passion of like building. He always okay. loved building things. So now he has like a whole building company for houses. And cool. Stuff. Yeah. So he's a home builder now. Yeah. 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 yeah that's good. Um, so what was that? Uh, and you guys just paid for it. Your family paid for that formula BMW so, season. No. Okay. We didn't have that kind of money. Okay. What did, what did, what does so, that cost? Yes. I don't even know. So for karting, like we had everything subsidized by the karting team, like sure. the manufacturer. I yeah. was officially driving for, I was like driving for nothing. Yep. Um, everything was covered. Right. So we had to cover expenses of like getting to the track and like things, things of that nature. Stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but if, if we had to really fund the whole thing, I don't know if it would have been possible. What so, do you know ballpark? What a what 
And you ran the whole season right away for me. Well, BMW. I ran. Uh, so formerly BMW was around two hundred thousand US. Oh, I had season. no idea it was that expensive. It got more expensive as we went on. Wow. It, they started seeing, oh, there's a good business model here. Sure. So in the beginning, it started in 2004 in the U.S., Okay, I believe. Yeah, 2004. And uh, guys like Hinch did it in 2004. Yeah. And then Wickens did it in 2005. Okay. I did it in 2006. Okay. Um, I mean, I could tell you everything about it. Just, you know, very short story. Yeah. Um, there's like a shootout. Mm-hmm. That you can do in in Valencia, and I got a scholarship from E Carding News okay. to go to this shootout yep. to try out for the BMW Junior Team. So it's and one weekend; everyone gets in the same Formula exactly. BMW car. There's like I don't know, 40 people that go, okay. and I think four or five people get selected. Okay. So the very first time I did it, I was 15. I went to Spain, and they picked me okay. as one of the juniors. Did you win the race? It wasn't a race. It was like a a, a school. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It was yeah, like cool. a school. They yep. evaluate you on many different uh, okay. uh, areas. So they picked me, mm-hmm. and my dad's like, "Yeah, you're you're not ready for this. Like, we don't have the money. We I don't know how to fund it." Yep. Um. So 2005, leading into the 2006 season, and then so we're in February at this point. Okay. Like the following year, because yep. that was at the end of the season. Then we go into February, and Ron, who's like. Fellows. Yeah, fellows. Yeah. He was saying, because, um, you know, we were in his karting series, mm-hmm. and he's like, ah, yeah, at that point, maybe not ready, not ready. And then all of a sudden, you know what? I think he's ready. Uh, and then we're like, okay, let's try to find a team. So we got AIM Autosport mm-hmm. um, involved. And, like, they didn't do it for you know any profits at all. Sure. It was just bare bones. Helped um, you out. Yeah. Yeah. And at that point, we'd already turned down the BMW Junior Scholarship. And what was that? So that was like it was a forty thousand dollars scholarship so, F- towards the season of Formula yeah. BMW. So okay. it, it would have been about twenty five percent of the budget. Oh, did you go back to them? Did you call them? Yeah, up? yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but they're like, yeah, it's already done. Oh no! So who got this, the scholarship? Um, I don't know. Uh, I can't remember. Okay, I can't yeah. remember who got it that first year. Yeah, but just a bunch of guys, like yeah, yeah, know, yeah, a bunch of drivers. Um. I ended up getting it afterwards yep. for the following season because okay. I won the rookie cup. But okay. we we scraped whatever we had. My dad sold his uh, so his two offices. He had like two small units. He sold both of them, and wow. uh, at the time, and he's kicking himself because yeah, I'm sure there was a lot of donuts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he's like, he my parents sold everything they could to put me through my first year, and then my dad's one of his friends. He used to work for this guy in computer programming. Yep. He uh, chipped in the rest. Wow. Yeah. So did you feel that pressure or did you realize how much your parents had just sacrificed? Um, I was, it was always like in the back of my mind, I knew I couldn't like crash the car or anything yep. because we were tight and yep. I had one year. My, my, we had one year to do it. So did your parents sit you down and kind of no. frame <laughs> that? Like, hey, you've got one year or did no, you I just intuitively know? I, I knew. I knew yeah. right away. Like I saw the sacrifice my parents made to put me in that position yeah and although from the outside it didn't look like things were tight sure um we were like on the limit yeah and i knew it was one shot one and one what opportunity was, yeah <laughs> and what was Seize the, everything yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, cue the music <laughs> so you had to win the championship uh no it wasn't necessarily win the championship okay uh, it was weird i didn't know what the goal was i just i won my very first weekend like okay. I, I showed up in mid-ohio and we won the first weekend okay first first race i'm like Cool. Sweet. Again, yep. in the rain. Ah, uh, okay. I started 12th in the grid. By turn two, I was P2. Nice. Yeah. Um, nice. And I went on to win, like, dominant uh, okay. dominant win in the rain. And it was, like, a 31-car field. Yep. And, you know, uh, at the time, 
well, Wickens was in the race and Simona De Silvestro and yep. uh, a bunch of other guys that kind of made it up high, like really high in the ranks and yep. were very, very good drivers. But so what was the goal? Like you said, you had that one shot that one season. What yeah. was the goal that season or what what was we, the thing that like did you get you got the scholarship yeah so the goal was to win the rookie championship okay so within the overall series oh, for the rookies for the, like first year drivers there's a rookie cup mm. and the winner of the rookie cup as long as you're under a certain age i think it was under 21 mm-hmm. you'd get the bmw junior scholarship okay so that was key okay that was key for the next season okay to keep going so you got the scholarship so i won the rookie cup yep and um and yeah, it was a good season. Like I was a top five guy sure. all the time, um, and so we got going for the next year. We were supposed to run with AIM again, yep. AIM Autosport, and we had been approached by Euro International, which is um, the team that Wickens was driving for. Okay, and we didn't realize this is how the business worked, mm-hmm. but they would get the best driver. Yep, and pay for them like okay. fully. Okay, so I had the BMW Junior Scholarship that was forty grand. Yep, and what they would do is they'd have other drivers in the team. They'd charge them more money. So it's 200000 for the season. They'd charge 300000 350000 Wow. And they'd have like three drivers. And then they'd get one guy that they knew was going to win. Mm. So Just to say, look, this is a winning team. Yeah. And we didn't know that that's how it worked. Sure. So they kept pestering me. And they called my dad like, oh, we want, we want your son. We want your son. My dad's like, this is too good to be true. It can't be. No. No one gives anything for free. Mm. And it was literally Tuesday... Like in preseason testing, I was quickest every every session, and um, that year was Alexander Rossi and Esteban Gutierrez racing. Okay, so and it was competitive. Yeah, no shit. Um, so in testing, I was quickest every every time, uh, every session, and Tuesday before the first race, we make that switch okay. to to Euro International. Like they so it was true. Yeah, it was true. Okay. I, my my parents were like, well, I don't know how we're gonna fund this season. Yeah, so we're like, okay, we have to just take the chance. Yep. And we went with it, and we brought my mechanic over. Okay. And it was a trade deal where that team was running in Pro Mazda at the time. They gave one of the drivers to AIM, okay. and then AIM switched me over there, and like they switched cars, and they sold the car off. Okay. Um, it was like a full wholesale trade. Wow. And, uh, and yeah, we went into that season, and like they're actually paying everything. So I, I'd won the first four out of six races and finished second in the other two. Okay. And then so Helm- won Helm- the championship? Oh, yeah. Dominated. Okay. Like, broke a record for most wins all time. Okay. But in that season, Helmet Marco from Red Bull mm. approached me after. So I won both Montreal Grand Prix races, mm-hmm. and I won uh, one race in Indianapolis at the U.S. Grand Prix and finished second in the other one. And Helmet Marco approached me after the race and the podium and uh, pulled me into the Red Bull hospitality and gave me a contract. Wow. And what did that yeah. contract look like? Oh, it was the uh, same contract as everyone got. So what is in, that? Uh, so it's it's a path to F1, essentially. Okay. Um, so as long as you win, then you keep, you, going. You keep going. And they pay for everything? Yeah. So then, okay. So I don't know how it all worked with that team, but the team was connected with Red Bull, mm. New York International, and Wickens was a Red Bull junior at the time. Was so. he a Red Bull junior the year before you? Yeah, exactly. Okay. So exactly. everything just a year before. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Like it's crazy how we follow the same sort of path. Um, and so, did you realize the magnitude of that contract? Um, yeah, okay. because that was the first point where I'm like, okay, this is it. This is my path, and all I have to do is win. Right. And then at the end of the season, I dominated the championship, won everything. The even the world championship, um, I dominated the world 
Formula, Formula BMW, BMW okay. World Championship with like the top talent, Philip Eng, Marco Wittmann, Jens Klingman, like all these guys who, if you search their names, they're yeah. all factory drivers now yep. in different manufacturers. And um, yeah, I, I was like, I can't believe that, you know, we are just absolutely on a path right now. Yep. And at the end of the whole season, I got a one-line email from Red Bull saying I'm off the junior team after winning everything. Um, what was their explanation? I still don't know. Really? I was never told. But I, I know, I just heard through other drivers and stuff that um, they, business-wise, they needed to get certain demographic, like a certain driver, mm. certain, uh, let's say, demographic of driver. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, from different regions yeah. for can sales. Yeah. And that's a business. And that was the first time where I realized it's not all about winning. Right. And that hit me hard. That mm-hmm. ruined my career right there. Like, that was the point when I got dropped. It, it and I'm thankfully back. So it was on the only right one path. season. It was that like, you had the Red Bull. Yeah, helmet. it was like two thirds of a season. Wow. And I, I'm like, man, I'm the most winning driver in the program that year. I won a championship that year. I was one of the only guys to win a championship. Yeah. And I got sacked. And it was like the hardest thing for me to comprehend because I thought in my life, as long as I win, yeah, I keep going. Right. And that's what you would think. But then that's when money started becoming way more influential than talent. Right. So what happened the next year? Um, we scraped whatever we could together. The team subsidized the same team. Yep. We ended up running Atlantics, Formula Atlantics, okay. for um, for a few races. So Formula Atlantics is the step below IndyCar. Exactly. Right. So yeah. that's a big jump again. Oh, huge jump because right. it's like a full arrow, like downforce tunnel car, yeah. uh, ground effect car. And um, it, how did it go? Like that must have been a massive leap. It was difficult because the team wasn't a, it wasn't a team like an Atlantic team. It was a, a team of scraps essentially. Right. We just put something together uh, last second, and the car was falling apart. Mechanical problems left, right, and center. And I had no confidence either. Right. And I think people under um, you you undervalue how important confidence is. Oh, because I spoke earlier about how when I was a kid, I had this quiet confidence mm-hmm. um, that I just walk around and I knew yep. that. I don't know why. Just inside, I knew I was going to win. Yep. And everyone else knew I was going to win, but I never told anyone, hey, I'm going to win. My dad told me, never say, I'm going to beat you today. Mm -hmm. He's like, that's the worst thing you can ever say to somebody. Yeah. Like, don't do that. It's not humble. And I never tell people, I'm not, if someone says, oh, I'm going to kick your butt, I'm like, exactly. Yeah. Just give them a thumbs up. Sure. And walk away. Yeah. And just, you're talking on the track yeah so it was tough that Atlantic confidence season. is man confidence in racing like if you if you're not confident you're no chance you're winning 100 percent. like you, you can have, have the best equipment yeah. you can have identical cars to your teammate if one guy has confidence and the other person doesn't it's over yeah like you see it all the time whether you watch f1 nascar indycar yeah or any discipline of motorsport yeah or life just life in general it doesn't matter what you're doing the guy person with confidence usually will Outperform. Outperform. Yeah. It's hard, though, to get your head without focusing or relying on a result. Mm. It's very hard to put yourself. That's why the elite uh, performers in the world can stay in that zone because you don't need a result to dictate your confidence. Sure. Yeah. 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 Whereas it's easy, like, if you know, if you have it on paper, then you can be confident and, like, look, I have the results. And that's what ruined me because on paper, I, you know, smashed it. It was uh, awesome. Yeah. You know, dominant performance. And then all of a sudden, in my mind, I'm like, okay, this is not, 
if I can't just win and go forward, then what do you do? Yeah. And, and then I started doubting myself. I'm like, well, what, what do I have to do now? And then my performance went downhill. I made more mistakes in that Atlantic season. Yeah. I made so how many races the car did you wasn't do? great. Uh, I did like uh, half a season. I okay. don't know. It was like maybe five, five weekends or something. Yeah. Four weekends, five. Did weekends. you have any good results? I had one in three rivers, like GP three R where I was running second and um, a lap car came out of the pits and like just immediately went to turn one and oh. chopped my front wing off <laughs> with no. like six laps or six minutes to go. No. I was like, yeah, that was my own. That was my last race as well. Yeah. Because I had just um, got in touch. You want to hear a funny story? Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you. How much time do we have? <laughs> Unlimited, dude. Okay. We'll keep going. Uh, so, so during that season, this is kind of shaping my whole future yeah. as well. It's the weirdest thing. So, I'd been dropped by Red Bull and I had no idea why. I literally, I got a one line email from Helmut Marco saying, um, dear Daniel, you are no longer on the junior team for 2008 period. Done. Regards. Oh my goodness. I'm just like, what? Yeah. And, and I replied, no answer, nothing. So many months go by. That's like end of 2007. Yeah. So many months go by probably like April, May, um, I write an email to Helmet again and um, I just like trying to get back in the team because I know it's the end. Like we're running, we have no money. Yep. It's it's over at this point. So I uh, I wrote to him and, and I got an answer saying, I'm like, I, I would really love to meet and like, you know, see if I can get back in. You know, obviously my results were really good. Um, yeah. And I get a re- response saying, okay, meet me in Silverstone in the Red Bull Energy Station. So I'm like, all right. Fly to England. Oh yeah. Yeah. I flew to England, no money. Yep. I took a bus from the from Heathrow. Uh like well, four buses. Yeah. Uh it was my first time taking public transit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea what I was doing. I got lost. It took me it took me eight hours to go from Heathrow to the track. <laughs> and not even to the track, five miles from the track. <laughs> and I started walking with my suitcase. I walked five miles to the track. That's funny. Um, thankfully, halfway there, like two and a half miles into my walk, um, Derek Daly and Connor, I knew Connor Daly. Yep. Uh, he saw me on the side of the road. They like, it was out of a movie, man. Like, yeah. They, they drive up. by, slam on the brakes, stop, reverse. <laughs> and they're like, Morad. I'm like, hey. <laughs> Take me up, take me to the track. That's funny. And um, so I didn't have a hotel. I slept in. Um, I slept in the Euro International, uh, the trailer. Yep. I slept in the front, like the cab. Yep. Um, and because they had been, ra- they were racing in the Formula BMW Europe as well. Yeah. How'd the meeting go? Yeah. So uh, <laughs> this is crazy because I go, I I get a pass off of uh, Derek yep. daily, like an F one pass. Yeah. You, you, you can't just you walk in. Know, yeah. You can't just walk into F1 paddocks. You need <laughs> no. like these credentials and yeah. stuff. So I got a pass for 30 minutes. I'm like, mm. I just, I need to, I need to at this time, whatever. So I stood there waiting for like hours outside the Red Bull Energy Station, and yeah. I, I was waiting for Helmet Marco to walk by, and I finally got him, and he's like, Oh, Daniel, what are you doing here? I'm like, Um, you told me to come meet you. He's like, I didn't, I didn't tell you to come meet me. Uh, it must have been my my assistant. And I'm like, oh my God, I literally flew to England for this. Yeah. My, so at that point, I just wanted to like go bury, like I just want to dig go, a hole and just go in it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, it's so over. So no meeting? No. No, he didn't talk to me. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So <laughs> um, I don't think I've really told this story. That's crazy. So what happened? You just hung out for the weekend and went home? Uh, Yeah. So 
I ended up meeting some people. And, and at this point, you have to remember, I did not like talking to people. Right. So I met somebody. Um, it was the daughter of one of the team owners in A1GP. Okay. And um, at that point, I had done a few test drives in like the Canadian A1GP car. Explain to people what A1GP yeah. was. So World Cup of Motorsport, it's like equal machinery. Yep. Like Formula One sort of spec cars, mm-hmm. I would say. The closest thing to F1 without being F1. Yep. So it was nation versus nation. Yeah. So there was Canada. Hinchcliffe drove for Canada. Wickens drove for Canada. At the time, I had been the Friday like rookie driver yep. for Hinch and for, for Wickens. Um, so I had four four outings there, and I did really well. I was in the top three every every outing for the most part. Um, I believe so. Every every single one. Okay. So I showed well. Yep. And this, so you met this, this one girl. She the team the team owner's daughter for Team Lebanon. Okay. And at this time, Canada buckled as a team. Like so, there was no opportunity there. So everything in my career that could have gone wrong, like literally shut every door is like close, 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 close. And I always thought, you know, one door closes and four more <laughs> open or something. No, every single door was slammed in my face. So I know what a door slamming in your face feels like. Yeah. But I was persistent and I never gave up, and I just kept pushing. And finally, and and you have to remember, there's a quiet kid that's keep the the. I really wanted this. Yeah. Uh, like badly. It's all I had in my yeah. life. Like all I had, I never talked to girls. I never, that was not my focus when I was a kid. Yeah. Okay. It was just like literally racing. What can I do to go racing? Yeah. So anyway, I had a conversation with, um, with her dad and they're like, well, can you, you like, are you Lebanese? Like, what's the deal? I'm like, right. well, through my lineage, I have enough of it to. How far back did you have to go? <laughs> Are. <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> so we made it happen nice yeah it, it so all you happened. raced a1 for team lebanon yeah yeah and that was crazy because they had never scored a point in their entire history three years and the amount of millions like i'm telling you there's eight eight uh eight d- digits there that, okay. that has been spent at that point wow. in three seasons and they had nothing to show for it yeah maybe more Maybe okay. nine digits. Jesus. Yeah, like a lot of money. Okay. A lot of money has been spent and zero points. Okay. Zero top eight finishes. Right. Or top 10. I think it was eight or 10. My first race, I scored points. Okay. So at that point, I'd become a god for them. I'm like, right. the greatest thing ever. You didn't have to move to Lebanon, did you? No, no. I've been okay. there, though. I've okay. been, I went a few times. Yeah. It's beautiful. Beautiful oh, place. Oh, yeah. I bet. Um, when there's no like you know conflict or anything. Yeah, yeah. It's gorgeous. Yeah. Um, so that was a crazy experience, and I'm still I'm 18 at this point. Okay. I was way too young for this series. Okay, but it's the only thing I could do. Yeah, and I was like, holy, like how did I even end up here? Yeah. I'm thinking I have no money, and I'm actually making money in this deal. Wow, they're yeah. paying you. Yeah, like through well prize money and stuff. Okay, okay. I, I would get. I didn't get a salary, but yep. I had like thir- certain things in the contract, like I could fly business class to Malaysia. Ooh, that works, which is a luxury, right? Yep. So did like, you run the those whole... are things that they put? They incentivized the contract for results, right? I I was like, whatever. I I'm not. I don't care. Just as long as I get to the racetrack, I'm fine. Yeah, I'm not like I must fly business or no, no. things I like get that. that. Yeah, it's like I just want to race, man. So did you run the whole season? Yeah, so I ran the whole season, but okay. it was. The last season of A1GP, so it was a complete like corrupt series. There was, and this is where I started understanding that money, not only did money get you rides, but money got you results. Yeah, and it was super like the most political thing I've ever been in because people were paying for performance. Right, ECU tunes and good equipment. Like I didn't finish any races. My car broke every time. Really, I. So the problem was I had the test car. 
and they were strapped for cash. Like the series was was going downhill. Okay, they owed money to everybody. They didn't have enough chassis. Mm. You couldn't crash things because like, they provided the chassis to each team. Yeah, okay. so it was a spec chassis, spec engine. Uh, all the parts were from the series, so they couldn't produce enough parts. They didn't have any front wings for this oh, race. Oh no! So. Yeah, people were doing carbon work. Like, our wing would break. They're like, carbon work, fix the wing. Yeah, cars weren't starting because they didn't have parts. Uh, so it was a terrible season. Okay. I had good results, um, I would say, for being seven, 18 years old, having no confidence, yep. and driving a car that was like seven, 650 horsepower. Insane. And, oh, my neck, my neck grew six centimeters in three months. That's crazy. No power steering, and like huge Michelin tires, like downforce, like you would what never What was believe. that like getting in that for the first time? Were you like, shit, I'm over my head? Well, I'd never dr- really driven paddle shifting cars right. either. So I, I'd always driven sequential, like Formula BMW and Atlantic were both sequential box, yep. um, gearboxes. And I'm like, okay, so auto blip, flat shifting, paddle, this is like a video game. Yeah. But it's like the fastest video game. My eyeballs were like being shot in the back of my head. Right. And the vibration, like the first laps I had, I was like, oh my God, like, what is this thing? It's trying to kill me. Yeah. I thought my organs were going to vibrate out of my freaking eardrum, like out of my ears. <laughs> That's crazy. And it was so fast, like mind boggling. Huh. But I got used to it eventually. Okay. Uh, it just, it took me a little bit to get used to that speed and like the deceleration. We had carbon brakes. Right. So when you hit the brake, I would never hit them hard enough. Right. And I'm like, that was the craziest thing for me. Just how, like getting used to that sensation of holding your body in place. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I got, I got, you know, like I said, first race scored points, Yep. um, again in the rain. <laughs> uh, I like the rain. Yep. Rain's fun. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was a crazy season, very political. And, and that was a good opportunity because it, the people that were invested in that team, yep. when the series buckled and went bankrupt, they're like, okay, well, let's try to go to F1. And that was my second chance. Like, okay, maybe we go to F1 with this program, Middle Eastern money. Yep. And um, they had the team in place, everything. They're like, okay, we're going to do GP3, which is now FIA Formula 3. Okay. First season ever. So they're going to start a team. Well, You're going to be the driver. They didn't start the team. They just funded me in a team. And again, good. funny enough, Wickens and I, we pair up. We're teammates. No way. Yeah, we're teammates that season. And he was coming from a different route to that team? So he had just been dropped by Red Bull that okay. se- going into that season as well. Right. And so we're both, you know... Red Bull lists. Yeah. And um yeah, we're both trying to find a path, like find find a way. And yep. um I I had won a race that season. The I actually won the first race for the team mm-hmm. in Silverstone. And um and then like it just got difficult after that point. Like the whole dynamic and the team shifted and um I, I don't really know what happened, but uh I I mean so so, hang on. G, it's GP three, right? Yeah. To clarify, yeah, GP3. and that is that is now a Formula two. It's Formula three. FIA Form, Formula three. Formula three. Yeah. And then there's but they one follow F one. So it's like on the F one weekends, you yeah. race at eight F one Grand Prix. And is that the final step before F one? It could be for some guys. Okay. Like, like Botas. Yeah. Went from F like GP three yeah. right to F one. Okay. Um, some guys can jump right from that to F1, yep. but others do GP2 or F2 now, F2. it's called. Yeah, okay, yeah. Because there was another F2 series in the past right. that was yes. like kind of like spec cars and spec, okay. like all managed by the series. But now it's FIA Formula 3, which is was GP3 at the time, and mm-hmm. FIA Formula 2. I see. Okay, Which I is get now, now the step. It's like the equivalent of Indy Lights or to, Xfinity. To Cup or yeah. IndyCar. Exactly. Okay, so 
you win the, do you say the first race at Silverstone? It wasn't the first race. Okay, but it you was, won uh, Silverstone. Yeah, it was a tough season because the way, like, I didn't know any of these tracks. Yeah. It's my first time at in Barcelona, Europe. first time in Istanbul, first time everywhere. Silverstone, I've never driven these circuits. Right. And it's difficult because you have 30 minutes of practice, one set of tires. So you have, like, four or five laps to learn and figure it out. Wait, wait. Yeah. One set of tires for what, the whole weekend? For the, No, for the 30-minute practice. Okay, okay. Yeah. And then you put on a second set for the for race. Quali. And you race on those? And then you race on those quality tires, and then you have a new set of tires for the... Pit stop. For the second race, because there's oh, two races okay. on the weekend. So your quality was dictating your race one start position, yep. and your race one finishing position was your race two start position. Okay. And then the, they invert the top eight. So right. if you finish first in race one, you start eighth for race two. If you finish eighth for race one, you start first for race two. Okay. So, so these you had to finish races in order to start in the front. 100%. If you yeah. crashed out race one, your weekend's shot. Yep. You're starting P30. Yeah. So so this the this group of what is it Lebanese businessmen or just like Yeah, like a Lebanese family. Okay. They're funding this whole season. Whole thing. Good to go. 700,000 euros. You're not concerned about money. They're No, crap. Okay. It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Unlimited budget sort of. So, how did that season go? You won Silverstone. So I I'd won a race that was my only success that year, really. Okay. I qualified well, considering mm -hmm. I'd never seen these circuits. I think aside from one weekend, I qualified in the top seven every single weekend. In the top 30, like there's 30 guys in the series. Yep. 27 of the 30 had won a championship previously. Yeah, no doubt. It was the most competitive season ever, like the most depth all the way through. Right. Like if you go back and look at the names, it's just name, 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 name. It is insane. Right. So the fact that I was pee nowhere in practice because i'm like okay i'm learning and these guys they knew the tracks so they go out of the box and straight away boom new tire they right. put the time down and me i'm just like putting around learning i'm like okay uh is this third or fourth gear like you know i'm yeah. thinking and in quality i had you know, basically you have one to two laps to put it together okay that's it so you have to you know yep. get it get it in one one shot and i did it every time i was like got it they're done. like yeah you know, P4, P3, yep. you know, whatever. I'm like, damn, this is amazing. So how did the season go? Where'd you end up in the points? So every race, there was so just something, like either a technical issue or a crash. Like it was so cutthroat and ruthless. Like it was insane. Think about if you ever play virtual racing, it's like that. It's like open lobby virtual racing. No one cares. Yeah. I I got wrecked more times before I even made it to the start line. Like all on the grid, before I can even get to the start finish line, I'd be backwards in the wall. I'm like, how is that even possible? What the heck? People, it's like eight wide. Like, ah, they go everywhere. They just cut across the road. And I got hit in the rear tire. I don't know how many times. Yeah. But just one thing or the other happened okay. that season. So not a good season. Terrible season. I f ended up finishing like 11th or 12th in the points. Okay. But I'd won a race, which was really, really good. Some, yeah. And at that point, that was the make or break year. And it was supposed to be a make year. Like we were going to F1, no matter what. Right. With Lebanese money. Yeah. Um, and I, I think there was a meeting with Bernie Ecclestone and the team, and there was just they didn't agree on things, okay. and the team didn't come to fruition. So at that point, the guys funding the whole thing were like, "Well, we're not going to play with toy cars." Okay. They called those GP3 cars, F3 cars, toy cars. Okay. They're like we're only interested in in the big show, Formula One. Yeah. Wow. So at that point, they're like, "Done. We can't get a spot. We're done." Wow. And that was the same period where the new teams were coming into F1. Yeah. So it was like a really good opportunity. 
man, it was like heartbreak because that so, was the end. And I knew I'm like, oh, it's it's finished with them. So how can I make the next season happen? Yeah. So uh, Andy DeFrancesco, who's Devlin DeFrancesco's dad and, and Latifi. And he races IndyCar. Yeah. Both yeah. of them came together and helped me out to okay. keep going. For, to race GP3 for the next year. Yeah. But then it was only a little, like just a, a little bit to get, get going. Yep. Um, and it's kind of like everything else in the career leading up. It's like, let's just get going and yeah. see if, what we can do. Yep. And it just, yeah, they're... Didn't have the results right out of the box. Well, it was a tough one because the team was a backmarker team yeah. at the time. And my teammates were P last and P second last. Yeah. <laughs> and and I was actually in the top eight, like competitive. Yeah. Um, but you had to be dominant. You have to be in those levels. And you have to be in the best team. It's 100%. If you're not in the best team, then you haven't best at least two teams you don't have a shot and i think that's something and then you can beat your teammates yeah and i think that's something people outside of motorsports don't understand or don't appreciate yeah you know that how important the equipment is you can be the fastest guy on the track by a second yeah but if you're in a shit box you can't you, you it's like an f1 if you're driving a, a williams unfortunately yeah. you're not going to win a race yeah sorry Yep. Unless like some sort of miracle happens where there's a tornado and it <laughs> wipes out all the cars out. Yeah. But it just isn't happening on normal circumstances. Yeah. So the problem is you have to week in, week out, dominate yep. in order to even have a shot. And we have learned that even that doesn't uh, matter. So you do that, you do that, um, those first couple races in GP3, not going well, out of money, however it goes. And yeah. you're, is Two that, races. Okay. Two weekends. And you're done? Yeah, so at that point, I, I had made enough contacts in the paddock to, um, kn I, I knew people, but unfortunately, everything, everything was based off of money. And, yep. and, and Porsche at that time approached me before they had their whole like, you know, junior program established. So this was 2011. Okay. I, I knew the the guy in charge of the Porsche junior team because he would he was one of the guys at the formerly BMW junior program. Okay. He was managing that. So formerly BMW stopped in 2009, I think. Yep. So 2011, this guy's working for Porsche now. And he comes to me and he's like, how's it going? I'm like, well, I, honestly, I think this is my last weekend. Mm -hmm. And he's like, well, why don't you do Porsche Super Cup? Okay. I'm like, that sounds great. Yep. So what's what do I have to do? Yeah. He's like, well, we would make you a junior straight away. Because, you know, obviously they, they rated me mm -hmm. as a driver. They're like, you don't even have to do any shootout, nothing. We'll just uh, consider you a junior. We give you 100,000 euros. Okay. And I'm like, so how much was the season? 300,000 euros. Damn. I'm like, Another okay. Another 200 so I, I need. So if I could have taken whatever I had the budget that year. Yep. A portion of I could have at least gotten it going. Right. Yeah. So I was like, oh, damn. I, I just, I'm like, I don't have the money. Yep. It's funny because the same guys I had raced in that series our Porsche factory drivers right now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, but they had the money. They, they had the chance. Right. They could have done it. Right. They did do it. Yeah. So that puts, does that put in a, a halt to your career in yeah, your mind? Yeah, I stopped. Okay. I literally, um, I had one call like the week after my last race. Um, that was like in June, I think June or July in 2011. I got a call from an Indy lights team because one of the drivers couldn't make it uh, over the border. He was a South American driver. So like the ride's fully paid. You want to come race in Edmonton? I'm like, all right. Yep. It was, it, it was an okay team. Mm -hmm. uh, it was a mid pack team, but, um, my first time ever driving the car was quality cause practice got rained out. Oh my goodness. But I was P one the whole session. I mean, well, so, the European stuff, you qualify like, on pole. Oh, 
yeah, nearly. Yeah. Until like, so I I had qualified on used tires. Yeah. And I was like P1 the whole time. And they're like, damn, like this guy, he's P1 right now. When we put new tires, he's going to be flying. But it was so cold that there wasn't enough time left in the session to even switch the tire on. So everyone got faster and faster because the tire, the, it was so cold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I ended up going from first to like seventh, and I got wiped at first corner. Someone from fourteenth, I, I had a good start. I remember that race. I started seventh. I got up to like third or fourth in the first like four corners, and then it was a hairpin. Yeah. And the guy from fourteenth missed his break point and like went through the grass, and I was the car he hit. Just bandit. Yeah. Out yeah. of everyone <laughs> in the whole field, it's like I'm like mid corner at the apex. Boom! Like literally, not even. It wasn't even close. It was right into the side pod. Right by the end, like it was so not destroyed. Even, yeah. I'm like, well, when it's not meant to be, it's not meant to be. Right. And that was it. Like, okay. finished. So then, so the Four next thing out. I remember from you is racing the the worlds in karting and winning. Yeah, that was like kind of in the middle of my GP3. That was the end of my first GP3 season. Okay. So I had always wanted to go race karts in Europe. Yeah. And, you know, have that opportunity. So I... I did the Florida winter tour again and I, I won every race okay. in that, in the Rotax GD2. Yeah. So I got my ticket to qualify for the world, the worlds. Yeah. And where was that? Uh, Italy. Okay. I won every race except for one. I had a flat tire or something. Okay. But anyway, won the championship, got a ticket, free trip, everything paid. Yep. And so we went to La Conca in Italy. I was like, ah, oh, cool. First time at this track. And a shot to be world champion yeah. at anything is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And right away I was like, I just had a good feeling. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. I had a good mechanic, Stephen Chapman. He was, for me, like, this guy's the best. Yep. Um, ex-driver, like, never made it as a driver, but in the, the best mechanic slash engineer, tuner, whatever you want to call him, ever. Okay. This guy would make changes before you knew you needed changes. Okay. Because he was a driver as well. He could see. I never had to give him feedback. He just asked me, like, simple questions, and I'd give him, like, a small answer. He's like, I know what to do. Don't worry about it. That's great. I go out next session. It's perfect. He's like, and he would coach me through. He's like, okay. Right now, because we had tire allocations, he's like, drive this way, really protect the rear tire. You know, it's a long, uh, you know, training session, like through the practices and, and whatever. When the track rubber is in, that's when you're going to need the tire so we can know the setup. I'm like, okay. So we were nowhere in practice. Like, we were okay, mid, mid, middle of the road. Yeah. And by the end, he's like, okay, now, now you push. Okay. And we pushed and uh, we were right, right at the front. Quali, pull. Nice. Uh, first heat, dominated. Okay. Three second win. And then it got like really, really uh, grindy. Okay. Uh, oh, like think of rough, like, rough. Yeah, like think yeah. about fourth line. Chippy. Chippy. Yeah, chippy, chippy yeah, is yeah. the word. Like yeah. fourth line in game seven of the Junior playoffs. Junior C. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. I got smashed so hard. Like my head hit the axle. Okay. Um, the last the time second, I felt that third. was ADCC shifter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But like this time, I'm like, oh my god! And so the guy absolutely rinsed me. Yep. And I uh, I had a huge accident there. Like I got high sided on on the exit curb, and I couldn't turn. And then the guy in third, and I was leading this race. Yeah. It was like two three laps into the the second heat, mm-hmm. and uh, I ended up riding off the chassis. And yeah, the, the DNF. Oh that. my goodness! And it's tough when you have like a hundred guys in the world that you have to finish all the heats to yeah. make the final. So I'm like, okay, I qualified pole, won the first race. Yeah. DNF. DNF. So that's huge. Yeah. Third third heat. Um, so they give you a new go-kart, though? No. 
we did we couldn't change if, if i changed i would have had to start in the back oh my goodness so we straightened it out best we could with a two by four yeah changed everything we could yeah and this is funny this is leading up to what happened at the end yeah uh because it's <laughs> a viral video i know i know <laughs> <laughs> it was awesome and nobody knows like they're like oh what an idiot i know i know yeah but, but anyways don't jump ahead i yeah. need to hear the whole so weekend. so the third heat i <laughs> yep. start from pole again obviously because i qualified pole overall and qualified oh, good okay yeah so yeah i it on pole from time trials so yep. i started p1 every single heat three heat races beauty so I at least started on pole. And so, you know, it got rough. Yeah. And I had to assert, you know, myself, I wasn't going to be a pushover. Yep. So we got into it a little bit with that same guy because mm-hmm. he was in my heat every time. He qualified uh, P5 overall, which means he started in my row. Two behind you. Right behind me. So oh. I was P1. He was right behind me. Okay. Because it was four P1 was in group A, P2, group B. Oh, I third, see. Yeah, group yeah. C, okay. Fourth. Yep, yep, and so on. You yep, repeat the cycle. I get it. So this guy was starting P three every single race behind mm-hmm. me. So I'm like, okay. So he was like giving it a little bit. So I I go aside and like defend a little bit and let him go outside. And I ran him over. I'm like, just get out. Yeah. I completely destroyed him. Yep. Um, and that's the only time. Like, if you play rough, you have to give it. Yeah. It's like hockey or freaking a fight in school. Like pinti- you have to throw. The, you have to throw the first punch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to show the guy that, yeah, it's over. Yeah. Stop. Yeah. So I ended up dropping right back and pushed through and finished second in the okay. heat in the end. So where did you start the final? Uh, I started, well, the pre-final, I started P20. Or pre-final, okay. Oh, shit. So, somehow P20. Like I was like, okay, cool. Yeah. It's somewhat okay. I can still work forward. First corner of the pre-final, destroyed. Like, boom. <laughs> First corner, out. Like, uh, I, what? not out. But I was 36, dead last. How, so, where'd you finish the pre-final? So I made it from in a 14-lap race from 36 up to ninth. Last corner, two corners to go, again, destroyed. Like, guy punted me from behind. I ended up 13th. Okay. So start the final 13th. Not the end of the world, but... A long road to A home. long way for the world yeah. championship. Best drivers in the world to make it from 13th. So had a good start. Went from 13th to 9th on lap one. And then one at a time. And I remember Ramo Tagliani. Yeah. He goes to me in his broken Italian English, French English, whatever mix. He just told me, he's like, just one at a time. One at a time. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> and it, he would make these like sound effects, which were <laughs> epic. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, just picked off one at a time. And it was a 24 lap final. Yep. And um, tire conservation was huge because we had limited tire sets. Yep. So we had to use like one set all the way through the whole, like from qualifying through the heats, through the pre-final. I think you can change two or maybe four. I'm not sure, but okay. it was 14 laps plus 24 laps. It's a long way on a set yeah. of tires, soft tires. So I just worked on it, chipped away one at a time. Yep. And then it, it was a, a battle for the lead, like five, six guys. Yep. And I remember in one lap, I passed like three. I was like, one the next corner and next corner and it just was the perfect timing because that created chaos yep and i w- got into p2 and as soon as i got to p2 everyone behind me kind of like collided because yep. they were desperate and um that's one thing i've always been smart with is knowing that when the right time to go is mm-hmm. i was patient i waited half the race i was in the pack i didn't you know act out of desperation and just went yeah and then that was the gap i needed but in that whole melee 
the the leader kind of got away a little bit okay because you know getting through a few carts when you're at that level yeah ten, hundreds count yeah 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 so think like getting through three carts i lost a second maybe on that lap yeah just a second and a half so leader's gone eight laps to go and i just i had the pace yep. with a bent go-kart yeah so you um, caught him yeah passed him yeah four tenths a lap and won the race by a little bit of a margin no last lap most epic thing ever like the highest pressure you can ever think to have yeah. in life okay everything rides on this one moment yeah okay and i'm like p2 i just caught him okay coming to the white flag and or the last lap board yeah. as they use and i i tried i looked into t1 which is a very fast sweeper yeah but it wasn't quite there um because the gear would run out okay and i was like okay i have one more chance but it has to be in a place where he would never expect it because he's going to defend. He yeah. defended all the hairpins. And I'm like, I never wanted to be in that situation. But in my head, I already knew. Mm-hmm. If I'm in a, I know where I'm strong. Okay. There was one corner where it was like a, a combination sequence where you go to a, uh, through a fast uh, sweeping left into a hairpin right. Yeah. And normally you would sacrifice the exit of that fast left sweeper I see. a little bit to get the run through the hairpin. I did not. It was a lift, right? You had to lift through that sweeper flat out i yeah. timed it to perf- like, even thinking back it was millimeters where i just had to bleed off his bumper yeah at that right moment not to hit him yep and like ruin, lose the run yep. i just open and scrubbed wide and like just Dove. stuffed it yeah stuffed it nice yeah stuffed nice. it like a turkey on thanksgiving so tell people <laughs> so but I, we, we got i gotta keep going because you got so much more in your yeah. career but tell people the viral moment yeah, so, well, <laughs> that was like two, three corners to the end. Yeah. And it was tough to defend the rest of that lap because there's still one more hairpin with a big opportunity to cross and exit. Yeah. The last corner. So I defended it well. Mm-hmm. And I actually lifted on the throttle. I defended the inside. Yeah. I lifted the throttle down the straight to force him on the outside. Yeah. And then I just ran him wide and, and I waited. Smart. Waited to turn when mm-hmm. I wanted to turn. So yep. he couldn't cross me. Yeah. I, I knew as long as my cart's there, he can't go through it. Yep. So I just block kind of block past and mm-hmm. boom gone win the race freaking out i'm like oh my god i just won the world championship yeah and i'm like fist pump i'm like oh my god oh my god <laughs> and as soon as i lift off the throttle i i'm like falling out of the seat i'm like what just happened and then i'm backwards yeah spinning i'm like holy jeez hit the fence you can see and if you watch this video my hands are in the air i'm just like what Everyone is, is listening going on has to search this video and yeah. they'll find it right away just search the cart just, on youtube the That's cart it. just cuts left yeah and there's a, a still photo of it where both front tires are pointed outward okay like max out yeah. max outward and it just that doesn't happen no. so the tie rod broke so remember that second heat yeah. where i had the incident these are all spec chassis yep spec carts i couldn't change a lot of parts we had to straighten the chassis we changed the tie rod because that was bent the yep. steering column was bent but the tie rod end because you can't just say oh give me the whole thing every part was accounted for right 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 so the tie rod end like the thread was cracked so it snapped as soon as i lifted off the throttle just that subtle weight transferred to the front snapped the tie rod so the one wheel pointed outward, and it was like the brake went on. It's Everyone hilarious. thought I broke. I know. It's hilarious. I you did like, break in the end because I fell out of the seat. <laughs> the only thing holding me in was my two feet on the pedals. <laughs> and you like you launch across. You take yeah. out the guy who finishes second. You hit the fence. And yeah, if you don't know what you're looking at, it looks like you're just like celebrated too hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know where it broke because you can see the cart moving down the straight. Yeah. And yeah. I almost think that 
the the fact that the weight transfer was on the rear because I was accelerating, it was like unloading the front tire. So it must have been fluttering yep. already. Yeah. I don't know. That's I don't funny. remember. I it's was a like, good moment though. I didn't care. Yeah, yeah, I know. It was won. the most memorable world championship win for sure. And uh, yeah, it was just really, really cool. Oh, uh, I was in disbelief. Like I actually went on the ground and just laid down. I'm like, oh my god, like what is happening right now? Yeah. The the adrenaline started wearing oh. off, and, and you have to remember, I hit the fence at like, I don't know, 120 kilometers. It's a hard an hour. crash. Oh yeah, I bent the fence pole. Mm-hmm. My helmet actually has a cr- like I cracked the helmet. Yeah, I Dude. cranked it. But. Okay, but to jump back now, because I didn't realize that. I thought that, that was, was 2010. Okay, that was 2010. So now you're, you're, you are that you do that last Edmonton race, Formula Atlantic, and you're out of a ride. Yeah, that was Indy Lights at the or, time. Sorry, Indy Lights, yeah. yeah. Um, are you on the simulator at this time yet? No, Okay. Nothing. Well, no. d- define simulator. Yeah, sure. Gran yeah, yeah. Turismo okay, with yeah. a wooden chassis. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, it wasn't proper. It wasn't, right. It wasn't there yet. So... Now that was well later. You go back to you go back to your parents' house in Markham. Yeah, yeah. And well, at the time they moved to Stouffville. Okay. And I'm like, what? Like, what are you gonna do? Yeah. yeah. What, what do I do at this point? So thankfully, I you know I, call, I picked up the phone and called um, a company. Well, actually, I called Russ Bond. Okay. Uh, I think a lot of people in the motorsport or like the Ontario scene will know Russ. He was on motoring TV and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and he he had been around the karting scene the whole like, mm-hmm. my whole upbringing. He's a supporter of motorsports. Yeah, for, for sure. sure. And he told me he's like, well, you know, if you need to, you know, work, I know a guy. So he connected me with someone that did um, like some driving programs. Mm-hmm. And so I, at you know twenty one, I was youngest by far. Everyone was in their forties, fifties, doing these like. Um, driving experiences yeah yeah for manufacturers so okay. i was like great so i started working with audi mm-hmm. uh audi canada in their driving experiences and that went on for four years and remember at this point i still was not very good in like a social environment sure, yeah so i'm getting thrown into something where i need to start talking to random people yeah and i had a really good mentor uh, a guy named jeff boyce okay who um he was so outgoing and i looked up to him I was like, I want to be like that. Okay. You know, yeah, yeah. His kind of demeanor, his personality, the way he engaged with people. He was super funny, entertaining, and engaging. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, this is the guy I'm going to hang around. Yep. And at 21, I was very, um, and, and being so shy, I'm just listening, listening, listening. Um, but the funniest thing, so I did that for four years. And by the end of my time doing that, I, there's mixed emotions. Number one, money's great. Okay. Uh, was I truly happy doing it? No, yep. because I felt like I was wasting my my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I learned the skill I needed to learn. That was talking to people. Mm. But uh, and I was great at teaching. Mm-hmm. But I'm like I'm better. Like I know I can do better than this. Right. And I didn't give up on what I knew I I should be doing. Right. I've been groomed as a, a killer on the track. Yeah. And I'm here kicking cones in a parking lot. Yep. Not to disrespect anyone that does that because I think it's a, a great. I, I still do it yeah. from time to time. It's fun. I do it every like once or twice a year because yeah. it's fun. Yeah. I don't do it for the money anymore. Yeah, like, yeah. I did that because I genuinely needed to think about my future. Sure. And um and at the time I'm with uh, my fiance now. Yeah. Uh, Jess, we're getting married very soon. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I'm just thinking, man, I need to still, like start thinking about our future together. Like, how yeah. are we gonna live? Like, we need a place. We need this. And we were so far off my head. I'm like, I am so in a hole right now. I don't know how I'm going to get out. But anyway, picked up the phone and um, that's how my career got back going, um, which was amazing because out of nowhere, 
Yeah. I had tried. I went to Daytona for like all throughout that period. Yep. The four years where I was doing the driving experiences. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, maybe someone will give me a ride. So you'd go to races yeah, and I'd try go, and chat with people. But it's such a waste of time. I mean, it's so un like the the chance that you're gonna get a shot by yeah. just showing up. Yeah. I know you hear all these stories. But I was going. Would you, would you show up with your suit and everything? Yeah, I had everything with me. Okay. I'm like ready to go. Okay. In yeah, case license, someone can't make it or License something. and everything ready. I see. Yeah, so like I got the cool. license. Yeah, but it never happened. Yeah. Everyone, the, the same answer was every single person said, ah, oh, you know, single seater guy, like we need more experience. Mm. Um, in a sports car. Yeah, yep. in a sports car for Rolex 24 and stuff like that. Yep. So... Just never happened. So you're making you're. Tr- are you trying to find sponsorship at this time, or are you oh, more make? Yeah, fully tr- trying everything I can. Okay, but what's the investment? Right? right. Is it really a good investment? Like right. investing in a driver. How much money is that person going to make for you? Like it's not. It's not a good investment mm-hmm. realistically. Mm-hmm. As sad as it is, like you have to find connections that actually make sense. Yes. Um, you have to really. You have to really show value. Other. You can't just. It's very difficult, I should say. Otherwise, it's charity. Right. At that point. To say, hey, sponsor me. I'm a race car driver. I don't even have a team yet. I don't even have a real plan yet. I'm yeah. going to be a race car driver. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I know. Yeah, yeah. How, like, think about it. Yeah. If you, if you take yourself out of your own situation and you actually logically think, does that make sense? Would, if I was someone else, would I say, yeah, that's actually a good opportunity? Yeah, yeah. Or... The only thought I have is I just feel sorry for that person. Mm. That's, and you don't want that. I don't want people to feel yeah. sorry for me and just give me charity money. Yeah. It's like I want to genuinely make a connection that makes sense. Okay. So those, so <laughs> you showing up to the track didn't work. It did not work at all. Zero <laughs> percent chance. It may work. And I know some people it has worked for them. Sure. Yeah. But maybe they're a bit more established. As a okay. young driver, Yeah. I just don't see how in what world. Maybe it's like winning the lottery. Right. But I don't like putting my life up to chance. Mm-hmm. So you're making cold calls at the time. Yeah, thankfully I only had to make two. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So pretty well, good. Well, well, yes. No. I mean, I didn't know anybody. Yeah. So I couldn't even make these calls. Right. So the first call it was funny. I called Faf. Okay. Um, because I'm like oh, maybe Porsche GT3 Cup. At that point, I said, okay, let's go to the grassroots again, like to the very entry level series Porsche GT3 Cup yep. in Canada. Mm-hmm. And it just started building in popularity and like a lot of, you know, talent was going through. Spencer Piggott was driving. And, yeah. Um, yeah. I was like, okay, cool. This is, this is a good opportunity. Mm-hmm. So I called Faf and they're like, they just shut me down. They're like, yeah, no. Yeah. And I was like, all right. Okay. I tried so many times, like after with Faf and <laughs> they just always said no. Okay. And I'm actually so thankful now <laughs> because yeah, just seeing everyone that goes through that program mm-hmm. and how it ends up it's not great but um yeah i mean it, the thing the, the, everything happens for a reason and mm-hmm. i think that my path my path led me in an, well, i i was led in a different direction so who's the second path. cold call so the team that uh allegra motorsports yep. who i've been driving for for you know I would say mostly on only one year off yep. for the, since 2015. And how did that phone call go? Yeah. So I, I was like, I went through the list, the entry list. I'm like, okay, what are the teams? Yep. And then I started Googling like, okay, where is this team? They're in Tampa. So it's like the only team in the whole series that's Florida based. Mm-hmm. And I'm just thinking like, well, how can they put Spencer Piggott in their car? Okay. Like, why would he do Indy Lights and then do this Porsche series as well? So I started thinking, I'm like, well, obviously they like young drivers, young talented you know, drivers. So maybe there's an opportunity there. Mm-hmm. So I picked up the phone and I called 
the shop number and their the team manager at the time andy green picked up the phone like a scottish guy I could barely understand him yeah. <laughs> and i'm like hey uh i'm, I'm uh daniel morad you know um i i'm really interested to race with with your team in the porsche g3 cup blah, blah, blah. Yep. and he's like all right well you know what do you do like what have you been driving and i'm like oh you know i did form the bmw i was a champion in the series and um you know i raced in europe a little bit it's like oh okay so sounds good send me over your cv so hang up the phone i send I send an email yep and they called me five minutes later they call me back and at this point, they have the engineer on the phone and, and the, like, crew chief and, you know, team manager again. Yeah. And they're like, so, um, tell us about uh, more about your career. Like, what's going on? Like, you won Formula BMW. That's really impressive and right. all that. And I didn't realize how much they valued that because the engineer was working in Formula BMW oh. with another team. And he knew knew of me. And he's like... The fact that you won that, that's a competitive series. Sure. If you can win that, you can win anything. Okay. So they gave me a shot. They're yeah. like, well, before I even knew it was a shot, I was like, okay, shit. Like, there's something there. Mm-hmm. I need to find some sponsors or something. I don't know what I need to do right now, but I need to do this. Yep. And they're like, well, when can you come over to meet us? I'm like, what? You guys are in Tampa? I'm like on Air Canada. I'm like, uh, how's tomorrow morning? Yeah. So I took a flight the next morning for, nice. for the day. I went there in the morning. I flew back at night. Yep. And uh, I met with them, and in the, on the car ride to the airport, like the crew chief drew, drove me. He goes, "The guys really like you, um, so you're you're gonna get a test. I think we're gonna test at Mosport in okay. two weeks. Perfect. And this is like a a week before the first race of the season. And this is Canada, two, yeah. the the Canadian Porsche GT3 Championship, right? Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Okay. So they uh so the crew chief drove drove me to the uh drove me to the airport and he's like yeah you have a chance he's like you know you you, you know the team owner needs you to find some sponsors and stuff i'm like well how much money do you think i need to like bring for the yeah. season he's like uh probably like 175,000 i'm like okay i'm like at least it's a Porsche i mean i don't know i'm going to try to call some Porsche dealerships sure i'm like fafs in it yeah so i uh, it was good timing because there was a new store called Porsche Center Oakville. Okay. Um, and they just opened and I knew, uh, so Andrew Bourdine from AIM Autosport mm-hmm. w- went to school with the owner of the dealership's son. Okay. So that was a connection there. So we got introduced and I was like on it right away. I'm like, so how do you think, what do you think about sponsoring a, uh, you know, a Porsche in the GT3 Cup? And I didn't understand the economics of how the marketing works and stuff, but they get budget and all that kind of right. stuff. So already I was on it thinking, yep. where's the value? There, there is value here on, on that. Yeah. Um, little did I know this team, once they tested me, so they gave me a shot, 10 laps in the car and unofficially I, I broke the lap record right. at most sport. First yeah. time ever driving a GT car. I'm like, is that good? Like, yeah. I don't know what the lap times are. Yeah. I, I didn't, I just drove and they're like, all of them, their faces. When I came back to the, the pit box, they're just like, Okay. Good. Um, yeah, I'm like, so was that like good? Was it competitive? They're like, that's the fastest lap we've ever seen here. I'm like, and at that point, I, I actually get goosebumps because I knew at that moment, I'm like, okay, there's something here now. Yeah. And so that was a Friday of like a regional weekend. Yeah. The next weekend was the first race. So I'm like, things need to happen fast if we're going to, you know, yeah, do no this. kidding. So I got to call Sunday. They're like, can you come back to the track? Um, we want to talk to you. So I'm thinking like, okay, I just, how is this going to work? 
before I even got anything going, like no sponsor, nothing, no money. Yeah. They're like, um, the team owner gave me his car. He's like, you're going to race my car this year. So Carlos de Casada. Yeah. He got a brand new car and yeah. he wanted to race it, but he's like, you, you impressed me so much. He's like, I want to see what you can do. Wow. So he gave me his car and paid for the whole thing. And was he racing in the series as well? He ended up racing, uh, he re- like rented a car, I think, uh, near the end of the season and like ended up driving okay. a little bit. But he just really wanted to see you do well. Yeah. Yeah. He wanted to see me wow. do well. And, um, and he, he liked my personality and he, most importantly, I was a good mentor for his son who was 15 at the time. Right. I was Ooh. 25. He okay. was 15. Yep. And, um, you know, just to steer him in the right direction and yeah. really and like, coach him. Yeah. Coach him. Exactly. Yeah. And he was, was he running in the series yet or? Yeah. So okay. he ran in the gen, like the gold cup it was called, sure. which is the older generation car. Yep. Okay. So at 15 years old. Okay. So I'm but, sure you, what, dominated that season? No, the first year was actually tough because okay. it was Scott Hargrove and Chris Green. Right. Two which, fast guys. Yeah. When they've run the series, I don't know how many years. Yeah. So I show up and. First race, I finished third both races. Okay. Um, and the second weekend, that was at most sport, then the second weekend was Toronto Indy. Yeah. And I, th- I don't know where I ended up. The fir- Oh, no. First race, there was an issue with the, the that, that cost me the championship. I lost by two points in the end. Okay. And yeah, it literally, I did the, my only DNF of the year. I finished on the podium nine out of 10 races. Yep. But that one, they, they forgot to bleed the tire pressure from tech. Oh, so no. I started with 35 PSI, and normally you run like 17 oh. cold. So I had 35 cold. It was the devil out there. Man, on lap one, I'm like, holy shit, I'm going to win this race. Like, the thing's on rails today. <laughs> and lap two, I can't even go flat through Lakeshore. Oh, I'm like, my goodness. oh, no, I'm going to die. Uh. And then I got crashed at, like, someone um, behind me was, they saw I was struggling, so they, like, lunged in the hairpin at the end yeah. of Lakeshore and, like, hit me in the front tire, broke the toe link, game over. Yeah. Next day, I won in the rain mm. by a lot. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. First, I was like, I cannot see where I'm going. Street course, walls, fence, like the the, yeah. the mist does not go anywhere. It no. stays on the track. So I'm like, I don't even know how to drive this thing in the wet. Like, the great thing is I'm not getting wet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was my favorite thing about closed cockpit cars. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I'm like, I actually like this a lot more. I can feel my hands. Um, but yeah, I kind of like let it, let there be a gap yep. and it was a shortened race too. Normally it's 45 minutes. It was down to 30 minutes because okay. there was like a uh, really bad rain. So I backed off just enough to like see where the stripes were on the ground, the puddles before I pushed. Cause mm-hmm. I didn't want to write this thing off. No kidding. Yeah. I'm like, this is my chance, man. Like I can't write this car off. There's one car Yep. and it's easy to bend them up. No kidding. It's not like single seizure where you use bolt corners on. Yeah. This thing is like one piece aluminum. Like you hit it and throw not, it in the garbage bin. Oh, it's it's a sim chassis at that point. Yep. So uh, yeah, I I let a gap uh, develop and I was like, okay, I can see where I'm going. I know where to drive. Yep. Head down and I was five seconds quicker than the entire field. Nice. Yeah. Nice. So they never seen that and and I won the race. Like it was it was crazy. I've never felt that sort of domination. Yep. In my whole career, um, but. That was for me. That that was the moment where it kind of changed everything within the team. Even they're mm-hmm. like, "Oh, okay." Like there is, def- there, we thought there was something there, and now there's definitely something. Okay. So they went full full throttle on it. So then, so you, that season shakes out. You end up second in the championship by two points. Um, we won the team championship though. Okay. Which was good. Now fast forward because you guys you we won the next year. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh right. So you did a second year and yes. you won that championship. Yeah. Now. Uh, 
that team, Carlos and his son, want to go race uh, Daytona. Yeah, well, how it all happened, it, yep. that's a cool story in its own as well. There are so many like cool stories within uh, each you know, facet of my, my career along the way. Yeah. Um, and involving other people as well, which is really neat. But um, we we won the championship in Canada. Mm-hmm. We won the North American Cup, which was a combination of the U.S. series and Canadian series. Okay. So I ended up winning the, the North American deal. Um, so Michael's, uh, Carlos, yeah. his son, Michael, yep. ended up winning the Gold Cup okay. in the U.S. Cool. And Jesse Lazar won the Platinum, which is like, the equivalent of what I was racing in the U.S. Okay. So I won Canada and North America. Jesse Lazar won the U.S. Yep. portion. Michael won the U.S. Gold Cup. Yep. Carlos wanted to race Daytona. Yep. And we got a factory driver from Porsche, which is funny enough, the guy who back in GP3 when I was supposed to be a Porsche junior, yep. that that same guy, Michael Christensen, took the seat. Was all, he didn't take, he was one of the guys that had an opportunity as well. Yeah. Because he was talented, but didn't have the good team. He wasn't in the right team, mm. but he did really well with Porsche and he okay. became a factory driver. Okay. So the five of us, so it's a cool story of how we all got together. And Carlos announced it at Road Atlanta, the last race of the season for like the US and it was the North American deal together. Yeah. He goes in the banquet and he's like, and this is all like seat of the pants. Like we're at the dinner table. He's like, you want to do Daytona? I'm like, yeah, obviously. Yeah. Are and you crazy. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, of course. He's like, okay, we're going to do Daytona. I'm getting a car for you. And Michael. Nice. Like, okay. Yeah. Like awesome. Yep. He's like, so you want to help me pick some co-drivers? I'm like, okay. I'm like, what about, uh, what about Jesse? Like, why not take all the GE3 Cup guys? Yeah. Like, I know that if, if these guys can win in Cup, they can win anything. Okay. It's so true, even today. If you can win in Porsche GT3 Cup, you take the guy right out of the Cup Series, put him in any car, and the guy's in the front. Because of the similarity in the, like, it, how the, the car, like, one, competitiveness, I'm sure. Yeah. But two, like, how those cars drive. They're they're not the easiest cars to perfect, to, okay. like, like, extract the most out of. Mm-hmm. Because rear engine balance is a bit f- funny. So, to... The braking, uh, you know, understanding how to brake at its maximum capability, mm. there's a certain technique involved. There's one thing braking, and then there's another thing to, like, brake correctly. Sure. For that specific vehicle. Okay. Every, and you get more and more in tune with it the more you drive and you'll understand. Mm-hmm. But it's hard to explain. But you get so connected with the tires and the yep. weight distribution that... It becomes easy to drive anything else. Okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. it becomes so easy. So you think those are great training tools. So you say, to, so there's five drivers or four? It, we ended up doing it with five. Normally, traditionally, you do four drivers right. or even three for a pro car. Sure. But for a pro-am effort, yep. um, which is GTD, mm-hmm. we, we, we picked five. Okay. Carlos wanted to drive minimum drive time just to be part of it with his son. Sure. Um, so Who'd you end, pick? Uh, so we got Jesse Lazar. Okay. You know, platinum champion in the U.S. Yep. Michael DeCasada. Okay. Gold champion in the U.S. Myself. Yep. Carlos wanted to do it, of course. He's funding the whole thing. Yep. And <laughs> as he should. Yep. And um, Michael Christensen. Yep. Porsche factory driver. Okay, so the five cool. of us go. Yep. And we have like four. Well, my, uh, Michael's never done it. I've never done it. Jesse's never done it. Michael Christensen's done it in the RSR. Yep. Um, Porsche RSR. So a class up. Yeah. And um, and Carlos has won it before with you know, Porsche in 2007, right? With uh, Dumoulin, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 So, 
It was a crazy like 10 year anniversary of it. Like, let's go do it again. And you guys won it. And we won it first time. Like we were, we were like, you know, we were quick. We were quick ish. Yeah. But there were other cars that were dominant. Okay. And um, that was like my first take on balance of performance. I didn't know what balance of performance BOP was. Okay. But some cars were really fast and, and sandbagging. I just discovered what sand was. I thought it was at the beach only, but it actually goes to the racetrack. <laughs> so it's a huge game that you have to play. Like some people do it, some manufacturers do it, some don't. Um, so all through practice, we're like, oh, we're pretty good. And then quality, it's like, oh, we just got smashed by like seven or eight tenths. Wow. It's like, okay, we're not even, we're not close anymore. So you didn't have to, so they're sandbagging in practice so other teams don't work on their shit. Uh, more so that you don't get penalized with like weight penalty or oh, engine I restrictor see. I see. things okay. like that. Okay. So you want to always have a little in your pocket. Yep. Essentially. I get it. Okay. You want to have really deep pockets. <laughs> that helps in racing. <laughs> yeah. Yep. yeah. I'm going to show up to the, the track with pockets down in my ankles next time. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. So, why uh-huh. are you leaking sand? <laughs> deep pockets with money and sand. <laughs> That's good. That's good. So, uh, Okay, so so that's got to be a huge yeah. win in your career. Well, yeah, our goal was just to not damage the car, yep. just survive to the end, mm-hmm. and have a good car that you know doesn't have a mark on it. Yep, and we did that, and sure enough, we were we were laps down, okay, in the race, wow. like two laps down. Carlos got tagged, didn't break anything. Yeah, it ripped like maybe a two inch rip in the vinyl. Yep, like someone took a, a kind of a blade and like sideways went across it, but he got tapped and spun in turn one. This is like really early in the race and he couldn't refire the car. Oh no. So we went like two laps down and I remember again in the rain, it rained for 18 hours out of 24. Mm. So uh, the guys were like really uncomfortable in the rain and it was tough. It was so cold. He couldn't switch the tire on. Like the tire pressure was low. The tire temperature was low. So it was like you're driving on ice. So you had to really go with confidence like first lap to get get the heat. You had to like smash it first lap yep. breaks like max pressure we have abs at this point so yep. it's not a concern to lock up you just can literally slide off right if anything uh or not slow down yeah yeah. so i remember i drove for f- all, nearly four hours when it first started like properly raining because yeah. they knew i was good in the rain from the toronto indie thing right and my next time driving in the rain was there okay They're like yeah i think he's gonna do it Nice. So they put me in the car. I made up two laps on pace, legit. That's unbelievable. Like several seconds faster than the entire field. Unlapped myself twice. Unbelievable. After, in four hours, just under four hours. And I have the video on my phone and it still makes me like, it gives me the chills. No, When I got out of the car, everyone in the pit box was cheering when I got out. And that's I was like, awesome. I was like, okay, we're back in this thing. <sighs> yeah, that's, that's a good drive. So same, we went a lap down again. We had a issue... With uh, I don't know who it was. Yeah. One of the other guys had an issue, and um, like cut through the bus stop and got a penalty for it. So we had like a drive-through or something, and we went a lap down. And again, I went back, and you know we got it back. <sighs> or we got two laps down again. We got one lap back, and uh, on a pass around, we got another lap back. Okay, yeah, yeah. So we're like we're there. Yep. And with with two hours to go, that was my last stint. So um, it just started drying up. Like. I did one stint in the wet and then we just transitioned to slicks Mm -hmm. for the last like three hours of the race. And, you know, we're there ish. Yep. We're like P8, P7 and on the lead lap, but we had no pace versus the Ferrari, like the Ferrari at the time. They were so quick. Yeah. And they were about to lap us. 
Michael Christensen just got in the car and they were just about to lap us and their engine blew like on our gear, like no right way. on our bumper out of turn six onto the banking. They were going to pass us guaranteed right there. Yeah. Yeah. They blew the engine. Wow. Yeah. Safety car. We went back to the front, uh, well, to the, to the line with yeah, everyone. Yeah. yeah. And the guys in front had damage a little bit, a yeah. little bit of this, a little bit of that. And we had a clean car. Unbelievable. And last stint, Michael Christensen, like he pumped the, he, you know, he just did, his did, thing. did the job. Yeah. Yeah. Good. And um, it was just everyone on the team did, did the perfect job. What That's we were cool. expected to do. That's cool. Well, we only got a little bit more time and I yeah. really want to pin you down on sim racing. Yeah. When did you get into sim racing? I got into sim racing during the pandemic. Really? Pretty much. Yeah. I, I did had, you have a sim before? Yeah, I had. I built something up okay. um, very, you know, I wouldn't say basic. Yep. Um, but like extruded aluminum profiles and stuff. Mm -hmm. Like it was like a whatever. Okay. Um, at the time, then I expand, I evolved that yep. <laughs> to something better. But it was uh, 2000, I think in 2017 or no, 2018. I yep. probably got one. Okay. Um, and that's when you got on, really on iRacing and were doing racing. Yeah. With virtual reality goggles. Okay. At the time. Did you doing, like doing a bunch of that, did you notice a big jump in performance IRL in in real life? <laughs> IRL. Yeah. Um yeah, not a big jump. Like I think I got comfortable learning the tracks. And okay. that was big for me. So yes, I guess you could say like it made a big difference. Yep. Because some of the tracks, especially in IMSA, I'd never been to. Right. Um so 2017 I'd use it mostly. I'd jump on it like once a month okay. just to do some private sessions. I never never did official racing. I never interacted with anyone online. Sure. I just did my own thing. Okay. Loaded up a private one, private session. Yep. Learned the lefts and rights. I'm like, okay, cool. I'm ready for the track. Okay. So I show up. It was better than what I did in GP3 because I had no clue what the circuits were. Right. So I had to like yeah. just guess. So yeah, I didn't yeah. want to guess. Yeah. I knew how to turn left and right. My brain was programmed. But yeah, yeah during yeah. the pandemic, that's when... Because that's when, during serious. the pandemic, if people don't remember or weren't paying attention to motorsports, like, everyone jumped on on iRacing, oh, yeah. on the sim. IndyCar, NASCAR, everyone just went. So everyone. Yeah. F1. And they, like, filmed it. Like, they yeah. went, they broadcasted it. Yeah. Even the Canadian NASCAR series, they broadcasted it. Yeah. I did those races. Oh, did you? Yeah. Okay. They were on TSN. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. insane. My steering wheel disconnected, like, eight times that race. <laughs> Last, I was t coming to the white flag leading, and my wheel disconnected. Oh, my goodness. There was uh, EMI electromagnetic interference okay and i didn't realize i didn't have my wheel um no it wasn't that it wasn't that it, it was plugged into a usb an unpowered un like it wasn't powered usb hub oh my god so goodness. the usb was like basically not able to power it enough so yeah. that's why it kept disconnecting and reconnecting <laughs> and i'm like what is going on with this thing yeah and it cost me the like it cost me that and i was like it's on tv and everything that's funny but, yeah so during the pandemic you got serious about your setup yeah. Um, you know, you started doing freaking like everything you do in racing, you started doing well, clearly. Uh, now you're At like, first I was getting smashed, like, okay, bad okay. I, in, in within certain groups. Yeah. I was doing well and within certain cars cause I had enough time to experience them, mm -hmm. uh, and to maximize it. Yep. But when I jumped from like, you know, the things I was having fun with, like a V8 supercar, like an older one. Sure. And at, when the pandemic first hit, yep. I was driving with like 
crazy drivers huh? like i have a whatsapp group yep. of like legends okay you know jensen buttons in there oh really max verstappen lando norris wow lance stroll latifi was i mean i know lance and nikki yep um but uh man who else montoya was driving with us castro nevis really like no joke, Barrichello and that's Kanan. a legit. I know, I know Kanan really well now. Yeah, he's like a, of a buddy of mine. Like, yeah, it's crazy. We, like, we Facetime each other. Wow, and stuff. It's it's really really neat. Huh? Because um, he also streams, and we've connected on. Okay, on that. so you're but, on, but we're racing these like F1 guys, and I'm telling you, it's like 50 or 60 guys that it's like unbelievable. It's like wow, how we're all driving and and that's when I first started streaming because I saw Lando was streaming. I'm like, okay. oh, that's so cool. Like, I want to show what i'm doing show the people yeah yeah i'm like no one's gonna watch me (laughs) yeah but when it first started nobody else was doing it but then everybody jumped on the streaming thing so it it completely got saturated okay so yeah my it was like 100 people or 200 people watching at that time i was like oh my god this is awesome yeah and then it went down to like 30 or 20 people i'm like oh right well (laughs) guys hi guys (laughs) so not that not that, that that matters but it's almost like the only metric you can use for if you're doing a good job. Right, right. And it, so many metrics aren't perfect, but views are pretty good metric. Yeah. Um, can guys make a living on iRacing? Yeah, I would say like a decent living. But How do you get paid? Prize money mostly. And okay. there's some sponsors involved. But I'm actually still trying to understand the economics of sim racing because it seems really skewed from like the team's perspective for what the drivers get out of it. And okay. I'm not quite understanding it. So I ask questions now mm. that I know a lot of the pro sim drivers, I'm asking like, what does your team provide for you? Like, you know, you have all these sponsors on the car, but like, do you see any of it? Like, how does that work? Right. And a lot of guys are just like genuinely on teams because they have good people around them as well, like other fast drivers. So I they see. can, you know, look at data and push each other. Okay. But there's no like monetary benefit and i'm like hmm. huh that doesn't seem right mm. like it doesn't seem, f- seem fair mm. and for, maybe i don't understand it fully at this point so there's teams there's sim oh, teams. huge teams huge organizations. and what do the teams provide um they do setups for the cars no the drivers make the setups okay so. but they, they'll have engineers i think the big big teams will have like engineers helping on wow. the setup they have like full pit gantries like pit stands that uh in facilities like there's esport hubs now where there's just 10 sims around and they work out of that hub. It's a house of, they used to have houses. Now yeah. they have actual like warehouses and there's uh, a, you know, debrief, there's a meeting room and there's all of the telemetry and stuff. It's like proper. That's insane. Just yeah. for sim racing. And the that's part of the reason why I also kind of don't like the whole competitive aspect of sim racing because um I find to be very fast in sim racing, it takes so much time. Okay. Whereas if you're going to be fast in real racing, time is precious. You yes. don't get time. Yes. And that's something I, I like when you don't know what car and don't know what track you're going to drive and mm-hmm. you just have to wing it and like feel it out. Yep. When you have unlimited time to practice, God, you know how much like they're putting in a hundred hours of practice. Right. A hundred hours. Just to be perfect. You're lucky if you get like 30 minutes. Yeah. Sometimes, like all last year or even this year, I get three laps before the race. Yep. It's like, yep. and I don't, even, I don't qualify. I just like, it's like here, three laps. Oh, we had an issue or whatever. Ah, the other guy needs more time. Yeah. In in sim racing, a one hundred hours, my brain would be fried. No, that would be insane. I, it's, that's 
that's mm. not of interest to me. I love having fun on the sim. I love creating content. That's why I go more to the content side. Okay. I am competitive. I yep. don't like losing. Yep. Um, but I won't really engage in those competitions okay. as much unless I know that there is some sort of like proper benefit sure. for me to do that. Okay. Now explain Time is to very me. Very valuable. Oh, man, you can't you can't be staying up all night on the sim. Just yeah. yeah. You got a fiance too. Uh yeah. explain to me the difference because I see these big esports championships and they pay money yeah. to win. What's the difference? Totally different? That's a video game. The sim is something something else? Uh like, is there what, what like E NASCAR? No, it's all through Is it on iRacing? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So there's bigger prize purses in NASCAR than I would say road racing. Okay. Um I think NASCAR is like a hundred and twenty thousand US to win the championship. I want to say for the champion. Something around that. Yeah. Like, I I don't know. It's in the hundred to like hundred and fifty thousand okay. dollar range. Cool. Um but the purse is three hundred thousand for everyone. So yep. you got paid down the line. Yep. Whereas in the road racing side it's less. It's like fifty thousand okay. for the total prize purse, I believe. Right, or maybe maybe more, maybe a hundred thousand. Okay, I don't know. Like, have you ever gotten a prize money from my racing? Yeah, yeah, I got I got a little bit, but not, honestly, I'd rather do coaching. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, better. Sure. I know it's guaranteed. So you do coaching on iRacing? Yeah, and a lot and of that's these blowing up. Really, people are getting more and more competitive. Yep. Especially, I didn't realize. So there's a rating system in iRacing. Mm -hmm. Okay, that I knew of. Okay. And I never paid attention to like getting my i rating up. Okay. So it's a scale. It's a system based off of results, mm -hmm. and um, so where you finish, there's safety rating, which is, are you driving off the track? Are you bumping into people? So that's one element, and then i rating is based on I think a little bit off of safety rating, okay. but mostly off of where you finish. Right. So most of the people on the service, I'd say like ninety five percent, are in the 1,000 to 1,500 range okay. of I rating, okay? And right now I'm like 6,000 plus, like 6,200, but there's guys that are 9,000, like um, I would say about 100 guys that are in the 8,000, 9,000, 10,000. There's only four in 10,000 range. Okay. Where's like so, Ty Majeski? Uh, I, I don't know, actually. Okay. I, I don't really... There's So there's road racing, I, ra right, I rating, right. and then there's... Oval guys. Oval, there's yeah. dirt, and okay. there's dirt oval. Okay. So there's four disciplines. Yep. Um, most guys just focus on, like, one. Their discipline. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I've tried a few NASCAR, like, oval races and stuff, mm -hmm. and it's really, really fun, actually. I I kind of enjoy it. Yeah. I've never done an oval in real life. You yep. have. Yeah. A handful. You like them? A handful. It's, dude, it's a... It's a different sport. Yeah. It's a different That's sport, especially the short track stuff. I could imagine like a Daytona or Talladega would be a li definitely different. It'd be fun. It'd be more like going back to four-stroke go-karting yeah. and like, all right, where do I want to be sport, on? sport, long track? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be fourth on the last lap. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Something like that. But the, the short track ovals require so much focus it's insane yeah like the time between corners is zero you never even get straight yeah you're constantly fighting yeah like i watched the race tears are leaking out the right side oh. of your eyes like you got to remember to breathe you got to yeah. remember to blink tears of joy no 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 tears of <laughs> tears of just like eyes bleeding with debris and brake oh dust my in them God. but uh yeah different i feel like well you do well in it but you should do more of the uh, canadian pinties races dude i would love to yeah i, I I still to this day think it's the best car I've ever driven for fun, for fun. enjoyment. 
big bias ply tires. Oh, it's so much fun because that's if you want to talk about like not looking at data and stuff, that's it. Like you just drive. You're not allowed. Yeah. yeah. Seat of the pants. Yeah. Figure it out. And I love that. Shift at 7,100 RPM. Oh, that's yeah. all you get. Man, it's like manage your brakes, manage your tires. Like every there's management involved. Yeah. With modern day racing, there's like hardly, there's no equipment management. It's like full t- pin. Yeah. It's full, full attack all the time. Hmm. And there's no, no room for a difference in drivers. Like if, as long as you're competent, yep. you can drive a GT3, like decently competitive where you're not going to be a burden to a team. Sure. Which makes it incredibly difficult to outweigh or overpower someone that brings money to a team. Right. I see, and there's I see. so much of that going on right now. Yeah. But I, I do love the NASCAR stuff. Yeah. I wouldn't mind. But, you know, the problem is this is no knock to it. Yeah. But it's almost like there's no progression. Like, that. that is it. And that, that is a right. great end point. Because you can make a great living in it. It's cool. I I like that. Like one, yeah. It's not like it's not like the the ladder system in the U.S. where you go run your K and N Arca stuff, then you go to trucks, then you go to Xfinity, then you go to Cup. Yeah. Here, yeah, you can do that when you're 15 or 16 and try and get a stepping stone and then go move to the states. But guys like Tagliani, guys like Ranger, are making it an end in itself. Yeah. And it's a Canadian championship, yeah. which is kind of cool. Well, it is very cool because you could have. A normal life. Yes. Um, I know as a, uh, right now I'm a Mercedes AMG expert driver, which means I'm part of their official driver lineup. Yep. And um, although I'm not like, right now it's my first season in that role, mm-hmm. um, a lot of their full on like experienced guys are 25, 30 weekends a year racing. Yep. Think about that from, you know, a normal life perspective. You can't have a family that, you know, you, see your kids or whatever yeah. and you're about to have a kid right yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so i mean yeah dude uh, yeah 10 weekends a year and five of them an hour from my house doesn't it, seem like a bad season yeah that's yeah. and if you can make a living doing that that's yeah. so much fun yep. you know you do what you love it's an amazing car so fun mm-hmm. uh you know it's just it's a different it's a completely different uh life totally yep. um but right now i'm enjoying sports cars yeah i want to see where that goes um, and the sim stuff is unreal. Um, there's huge opportunities. I think more on the team management side. Okay. side I love um, giving the younger guys opportunities, and that's kind of what I'm doing right now. Yep. I have a few little uh, sub teams I'm managing and giving guys opportunity and getting them paid. I that's think I'm the cool. only guy paying people. You're paying guys to on race the sim through sponsors I find or whatever. Wow. Yeah. Good for you. So, I mean, I'm a firm believer in giving the person that's doing a job for you what they deserve. For sure. Because if they get, I've always been a firm believer in asking for what I want Mm -hmm. and what I know I'm worth. Yep. And I will say no. If if it's not worth it for me, I'll say no. And I think not a lot of people have that respect for themselves. Right. They'll just say yes to anything. Yep. And I think saying no is more powerful sometimes if it's the right time to say no. For sure. To a team when they say, hey, do you want to run for free? And you say no, actually, I think I need yeah. X. Yeah, go, especially oh. when it's November and they call you back in December because they're strapped. Yeah. And I'm like, well, it's just so funny uh, because now my my budget is a little bit higher. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Yeah, yeah, no, but. that's good. Man, I hate that we're out of time here. I got to have you back. We can, we got to do like a whole episode on like sim racing and like yeah. I really want to understand it because it's a, it's a world that I don't, I don't get. Like I've just got a sim now. I'm starting to run it. And, and I think there's a lot of speed for myself yeah. having not much track time in general. Yeah. I think there's a lot to be learned there oh, for, for me. Yeah. It's even more so on the NASCAR side because you have way less track time. Yeah. So 
it's a great tool. It's the the coolest thing ever. It's getting very realistic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're getting real drivers now. Like iRacing is not now, but even in the past, yeah. real drivers are helping to develop the software and, yeah. and the physics of the game. Uh, there's some things that are still a little bit skewed, okay. but they're definitely work in progress and it's in the right direction, which is key. Yeah. So one day we're going to have a, a 1v1. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll, one, stream one, we'll stream it. We'll stream it. We're gonna get you dialed in, and have, we'll have a one v one for pink slips. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For for, 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 <laughs> for the sim. Yeah, you can. I'll sell you my eleven dollar i racing car. Yeah, <laughs> or I'll give it I to racing you. credits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Oh man, that's good. Thanks so much for coming on, man. Well, thanks um, for having me. Yeah, no, this is good, and we'll do it again. We'll do it again when we have more time. Uh, tell the people where they can find you. You probably have a million platforms people can follow you. Yeah, on. I, I'm trying to dial it down a little bit Kay. because I, you know time yes. time is everything and i don't have enough of it i don't think any of us do no um as we get older but twitch uh twitch is a streaming platform twitch.tv slash moradness is where i'm spending like three to four nights a week okay and it's a really great way to like engage because it's so hard to read messages like you know i don't know how many messages you get sure. on your dms but man it's like i try my best yep and i really want to connect with everyone but that's a great way you have me live mm. we can interact and sure. it's as if someone's beside you you know yep. which is really really neat but instagram is daniel morad facebook same thing um but otherwise just the racetrack or online yeah man good luck this year thanks man all righty that was Daniel Morad. His uh, his passion for racing is evident. I feel like we could have kept talking for hours and hours. Uh, he is a real race car driver, a serious wheelman, someone to pay attention to every time you see him on the starting list for a race. Uh, if you guys liked the episode, share it with a friend. Hit subscribe. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. Peace. <laughs>